Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Is travel the ultimate test of any relationship? Well, the family I have on today certainly can't answer that question. They've been living in a 21-foot RV together for two years years, actually over two years, and they stopped by my apartment here in Norway just last week, and you're going to be listening in on our conversation where we covered a whole slew of questions around what it takes to bring an entire family on the road for going into their sixth year now. We talk about what they did to prepare for full-time travel, so the tips and perspectives shared in this conversation can help anybody, whether you're part of a family, you're going to do this with a spouse, or you're considering traveling long-term or full-time on your own. And it's not just the ramp-up phase that we talk about. We really dig into the realities of life on the road and how this type of lifestyle can change you as a person. And there's a little bonus segment at the end. I don't usually tell people about the bonus segment. I like to hide these Easter eggs sometimes, but I want you to stick around for that because they share how they pulled off getting an RV in Europe without having a European address. They give a real hot tip on how you can do that. So stick around for this show. There's so much great stuff in it. I had a blast recording it, and I hope you enjoy joining us in my living room for this conversation. And so much more is happening right now. So buckle up, grab your favorite beverage, relax, and settle into a wonderful podcast episode. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. This family today, I was telling you about at the top, me really exemplify this whole idea of traveling on your terms. You really can do it on your terms. And what I mean by that is, I mean, there's so many different ways to travel and they've been mixing up 
a lot of these different ways on this trip since they've been on the road full time for going into their sixth year now. And uh, it was so great to be able to have this conversation in person. And you're going to see how uh, intimate we get in this chat. It's always a lot easier to do that, I think, when you're sitting next to somebody in person, which is always a pleasure. So listeners, once again, the call is open. If you ever come through Oslo, Norway, I'm here a lot and you should look me up, Jason at zerototravel.com. Always love to meet up with listeners or interview potential guests. It's such a wonderful experience to be able to meet other travelers, other people that love travel like you in person and just hang out. I had such a blast recording this and I know you're going to get a lot of value out of it. And one of the interesting things that came up during this conversation was this period of unhappiness that they were experiencing where they wanted to make a change. And I think a lot of people that are considering traveling long-term or full-time or just making travel a greater part of their lives, sometimes, or oftentimes, I should say, the catalyst for that is this idea of unhappiness, right? There's this sort of feeling that, hey, maybe it's time to make some changes. I'm not really happy with the way this is going or this situation. And for them that was a period of their lives where they didn't really feel like they were living true to their values or who they were and things kind of built up. But we dig into that a bit because how do you really know when it's time to make a big change? It can be hard. So understanding a little bit more about that was one of the many exciting parts of this conversation. Of course, anytime you talk to somebody that's been traveling full-time for years especially with a family of four like they have, you're going to get some juicy, delicious travel nuggets of wisdom, as I like to call them, and things that'll make you think. And this conversation is no exception. I had a blast meeting up with them. And one other cool thing I should mention, first of all, their website is worldtowning.com, which is a name they made up. It's just this idea of taking up temporary residency in foreign places, three, six, or 12 months to experience day-to-day life as a local. That They travel around, that's what they do. And they also have an amazing vlog, and they published an episode. They did some vlogging while they were at my apartment. The episode is called Sharing All of Our Secrets, which is what they did, I guess, in this podcast. And maybe that's what I make people do on some level, right? Try to get them to share some of their deepest, darkest secrets with us. It's episode 198 on their vlog, which you can find at if you just search World Towning, T-O-W-N-I-N-G, you can watch that and you'll uh, see us chatting a bit so you can get behind the scenes on the podcast and you can see me washing dishes and making some dumb jokes and check out my apartment and do a little snooping if you want to do that. <laughs> so check out their vlog. It was great fun to hang out with them and you can also see us pop into their RV and get a little tour with us. And of course, I mentioned at the top of the show, stick around for the post-interview stuff because I'm going to talk a little bit about travel being the ultimate test of a relationship. And also, you're going to get a bonus track. I don't usually share those secret bonus tracks, but I'm going to share this one with you because I don't want you to miss these tips on RVing around Europe and how you can get an RV or a van that'll allow you to travel around Europe if you're not uh, somebody that's based in the EU because you got to have an address and all these things. So... They give a little hack there, and you can hear our little tour of the van. So much coming at you. It's a long one, so get comfortable. Have a fun time with us. And uh, one last thing before we get into it, Tortuga Backpacks. want to thank them for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga will take you to the best 
backpacks in the world for travel for any length of time, three months, three weeks, three years, however long you want to go, go here to get these backpacks. And you got the holidays coming up, buy yourself a treat, buy a friend a treat. You can get 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL when you check out. That's because you're a listener of this show. Just enter the promo code TRAVEL, just the word TRAVEL when you check out. You'll get 10% off any of the Tortuga backpacks. I'm looking at my home-based backpack right now, which I'm using. I use my Outbreaker Day Pack religiously. It's made out of sailcloth. So here in Norway, it rains and everything stays dry inside, but it's still packable. Uh, these backpacks are incredible, I'm telling you. So check out their collection. Once again, zerototravel.com slash Tortuga. 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL. Thanks to them for supporting the show. Now enjoy my chat with the world towning townies. And I will see you on the other side, my friend. Yeah, we're, we're recording right now, right. actually. Yeah, so. I mean, there's a whole thing to being in your own spotlight, not necessarily for the world, but being for yourself, yeah. that you get to, get to evaluate and see yourself in a way that you never did in the past. And for me, for the last four years since we've been doing the episodes and since we've been doing the vlog, um, I've learned so much about myself that I know that everyone else enjoys it, but I have just, I think I've grown as a person since then. Yeah. Creating content is... Uh on the selfish side, I mean, it's a way to share to help others, but then it's also a way that you can learn about yourself. Like you said, I mean, you're kind of talking through your own, you're like, all right, I'm going to share some ideas. Wait a minute. What are my ideas? Like, what do I actually want to share here? What's, how do I formulate that into words? And then it kind of reinforces some of your values. And then like six months later, you might look back and you'd be like, oh, I don't think that anymore, actually. Uh, I've got this new philosophy now. And beyond uh, that, you think of yourself as, as sort of, do I feel confident in what I'm saying? And it, it goes in the whole thing of like when you're in college, you take maybe like a public speaking class and you're saying, okay, well, I can stand up in front of a group and do that. But, you know, being like this on video is like public speaking to the nth degree because you're speaking to the world. And as if you feel confident enough to put that out, then you know that that point that you're good. Yeah. Well, I'm with the world towners. Can I call you guys that right now? The world towners? Uh, I think so. Yeah. The, the town, mean, the townies, the townies. <laughs> <laughs> the townies was always a derogatory term for like you know if you're like in a university town or something, somebody'd be like, oh, those are the townies. He's this right, you know, right. Some oh kind gosh. of terrible divide Did between the two. Did you grow up in a small town, Jason? Uh, no, I well, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but I did go to college at State College, which okay. is P- Penn State. Okay. And, okay. Because uh, that's something can, I feel like I always hear people saying townies like a small town thing. Like yeah. I never heard anyone really say it until I, I think was, it's a like a cool term. It's like a compliment. Guess, like, guess, yeah, I'm a townie. I'm, I'm I was a townie. We're, I'm a townie we're, here we're, in, in this little well, listen, I should say, hold on. I, I let, let me introduce you guys really quick. <laughs> the townies. I'm with Jessica and Will. Uh Largo's over here uh, doing some homework. But um uh we are in my apartment in Oslo, Norway, and you guys are from World Towning dot com which uh well you do a lot of stuff but it looks like to me just from following your work that really the goal is to kind of share what you're doing as full-time travelers with a family with two kids and help other empower other people to do that by providing tips and it sounds like you have some other services do you want to kind of give us the elevator pitch on what you do sure (laughs) first thank you for having us here and this is really fun to be doing this in your living room oh it's probably a a nice break to to get out of the RV, it right? Is. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like, because I was thinking you guys are traveling in an RV. And we're actually looking at the RV right now. We're going to take a walk in there later and do a little audio tour for you guys. I was thinking, 
yeah, they might want to just be in a home for a couple hours. And I hang just out. love the fact that we're my feet are touching carpet is touching carpet right now, and yeah. and the idea that sort of I can like rub my feet and make aesthetic electricity. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a thing that I haven't <laughs> done in so long. Yeah, and then Will was like, I got I got to update my iOS. What's going on here? I got to plug this in. I got, is this like I was like, oh, this is like a flashback to me when I was on the road full time. Just be like, you get to a place and you're like, Where, where's the charger? Where's it? Like charge up, do everything, get it all done because then we're out of here, and who knows when we'll be plugged in again, right? <laughs> September is a good time for that because Apple always <laughs> updates the new iOS. We come in and everyone updates all their apps. So Jessica, last night we actually had dinner at a friend's house. And whenever we, we go in there, we, we like you said, we update everything. You had 93 apps to update because we have not touched the app update for like a month. I'm going to call Will a bad word now. Annoying. Because he grabs my phone wherever we are and starts updating all the apps. And then I go on there and I want to do something. I'm like, oh, it's updating. Oh, my goodness. He is psycho about the apps. And I'm just like, whatever. It works. Do I need to update this app? Did I really have that? Uh, I'm in the Jessica camp on this because uh, I, my apps fall behind. And then I like my Gmail, I think I have like 10,000 emails or something. Like I'm <laughs> the opposite of inbox zero. But um, all right. So... And you guys are sharing a mic. I should let everybody know. So you might hear like some little pauses in between as you're passing it back and forth. But because I have a very sophisticated in-home studio here, as you can tell. Uh, and I'm, I'm a <laughs> bit challenged. So I like to talk over mm. Will and talk too much. So I think sharing this mic is going to help me. This is kind of like therapy. So I'll hand it over to Will now. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys have been traveling full time for, we were just talking about it before the interview, for six years. Are you coming up on your sixth anniversary? Is that we're, right? We're approaching our fifth year mark so going into our sixth year okay in about a month from now October no in like two weeks October and how long have you guys been married too long <laughs> <laughs> is that the answer you always get uh we've been married for 19 years 19 wow. blissful years where did you meet we met we were in san diego so the funny part is now that we're traveling full-time um it's almost gotten full circle because we met while we were both in the travel industry Will was dancing at a club. I had the dollar bills. What, 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 yeah, I was going to say. It was like the, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. With the Chippendale thing. <laughs> for, for a long time, before I met her, I worked for, for the cruise lines. So oh, yeah. I worked for about five years in the cruise line industry. And then my last role... On, on the ships, traveling around? No, in the or? offices. So oh, okay. I, was, uh, I worked in several capacities. I did reservations for a while. I did cruise ship operations, which meant like embarkation, debarkations, dealing with customs, immigrations, all that. And my final role was dealing with sales. So I was dealing with travel agents and I had to do like travel trade shows and so forth and so on. So imagine an exhibit hall with, you know, hundreds of different vendors. And I was one for a cruise line. Um, I worked for actually several cruise lines, but she worked for the company that put on the trade shows. And so I was- a Which company? National Travel Exchange. They're not in business anymore. Okay. Yeah. Because I used to work in the event industry. So really? I was curious. Yeah. Who did you work for? Uh, a bunch of different marketing companies. Like the biggest one that does a lot of bigger productions and trade shows was Jack Morton. Maybe oh, wow. Heard of them. Maybe our paths know. crossed. Potentially. Hmm. Not not travel related. Well, it was travel work, but it wasn't... It wasn't travel industry? Yeah, it was never okay. like promoting specifically the travel industry. Okay, so... I was actually working for a company as a graphic designer. And part of the deal was when they hired me, they said, you're going to need to travel about three to six months a year. Are you interested? And of course, at the time I was 23 and I was like, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't want free drinks, nice hotels, all that stuff. And when I met Will, he was actually an exhibitor and I was helping produce the trade show. And the story kind of goes like, we were both young and I had a lot of free drink tickets. 
So he kept <laughs> approaching me for those free drink tickets. He claims it was something else, but I don't know. I don't know. Do you want to say anything on Mike here? I'm just the opportunist at, on occasion. It, it wasn't <laughs> just for the free beer, was it? No, Lots no. There were, there were several <laughs> other people on, on her team, but she was the one I, I targeted yeah. for the free drinks. <laughs> right. So you met, and were you both in a, like a city somewhere? Were you both in a place that you lived or were you both on the road? We were both met? on the road. Okay. I, yeah. I was living in Florida at the time. She was living in Los Angeles. However, we met in San Diego. And the, and the interesting part is that I was not supposed to be there at that given moment because the guy who was supposed to be there at that time got, he quit. I was going to say he got fired, but he's he like serendipitously quit like the day before. So they said, we need someone to cover this, this show like tomorrow. Can you be on the plane? I was like, sure. I've never been to California. Why not? And she. On my end, someone got fired. So I ended up, I wasn't supposed to be doing that trip and I wasn't really that interested. And I was living in Los Angeles. I didn't want to do San Diego. I like, I want to go to New York City and do the fun places. But I got put on the road for that week. And I guess as, I'm, I don't know, as I really, do we believe in fate? I guess fate, as fate may have it, we ended up, because of that, ending up meeting each other. And uh, But then you had, did you have a long distance relationship for a we while? Did. Or, yeah. We did. Well, there was a little bit of a lull there because Will had said he would call me on Tuesday after that week and... Four months later, on a Tuesday, he called. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you had this, like, we'll say, some kind of steamy weekend I, together. I guess something. he was. I guess he might have been calendar challenged or something. <laughs> and I, of course, being young, like I'm not going to waste my time with a player. And of course, all the girls in my office were like, "He's so cute. Just get on the <laughs> phone with him." <laughs> so I ended up taking the call, and then that next week, we happened to be going to Florida for the trade show. Isn't that weird that he happened to call oh, yeah. like right before Florida? <laughs> I mean, it's just great timing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I will let him defend himself in a minute. <laughs> and so we got together in Florida and then, you know, we've we've been together ever since, basically. We we did two years long distance. I can't tell if, if Will's stewing. He's got his arms crossed. He's kind of like, looks like he's ready to either... I don't know. Go ahead, please. I don't know what direction this is going to go. Handing the microphone to Will. (laughs) I'm not going to argue any of this. She's got her version of the story, and that's fine by me. Yeah. We're still together. We're still happy. Now, we can argue this till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, this steamy weekend that you spoke about was basically us sitting at opposite side of the table exchanging really good conversation. Therefore, there was zero idea in my head that there was something greater than what it was it was fatal attraction on your end but, but that's okay <laughs> so we'll, as you know we, will and i had both traveled a lot for work so we had a lot of frequent flyer points uh so we were really lucky we were not in a position where either one of us were going to up and move to the other location um i had a job i liked he had a job that he liked. So we decided to continue this long distance. And I mean, this was, you know, 20 years ago, we had beepers and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff, those 1-800 beepers. How like, my co- man's beeping me. He's I got to go me. get to a payphone you know, and call him back. The little I know code, right? That yeah. like, looks like I love you or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we saw each other every month for t- for two years. We were very fortunate to have wow. all of those frequent flyer points. You were traveling from Florida to Los Angeles. Yeah. That's commitment. Uh, for the- two years? Two years. Wow. Now, well, there was a little thing in there. In the first summer that we were together, um, I my friends are like, you don't even know this guy. What are you doing? This is so weird. You're wasting your youth. And I said, okay, that's it. I had since taken a, a teaching job, a teaching design. And so I decided that's it. I'm going to go there for the summer. So I packed up my bags and I went live with him for the summer because I said, I'm not going to waste my time on right. some loser. They're right. The friends are right. <laughs> so I went there and lived with them for the summer. And that, that was that was basically it. We had yeah. another year that we did long distance, um, took advantage of those frequent flyer miles, and then we both moved to New York City. It's interesting to me because 
yeah, long distance relationships have been a part of my life just kind of by consequence of traveling. And it sounds like, I mean, there's <laughs> as your son army crawls by us in the background, which is hilarious He's and awesome under like the that. camera. Well trained, my friend on this. Very good. Uh, this is like some kind of secret mission. That was cool. Anyway. <laughs> Largo, do you have anything to say for yourself? He's, tra- he's trained. <laughs> this is the funny thing about doing this in person where we can see each other. Have you Jason, seen the you know? army crawl before? Is that, is that a regular move? Oh, he's very good at doing things like that. We should say we got a camera set up, which is why the army crawl happened. Anyway, I was very impressed with that. Sorry. It seems like, yeah, if, you, or if you're in a long distance relationship, you're kind of already used to the idea of traveling if you're in, if with your spouse, right? I mean, it's like the whole thing is kind of travel-based, right? Like one of you is on a trip every time you see each other. So it's not that crazy to me to think that you guys are out on the road now the way you are coming from that background. I mean, have you ever thought about how that may have primed the pump for you guys in terms of travel? It's interesting because we've we have we've always thought about whether travel is going to be part of our life, but we didn't we didn't necessarily know how. And I guess to rewind the clock a little while, a little bit, what we did was right before Largo was born, our second child, we already had one child. We were living in Los Angeles. I was working for a large accounting firm at the time. And the opportunity or the idea came up that, well, maybe we can move to a different location as an, an expat, as what they call a secundant. And so we would be we'd be working for this firm in a foreign location. They would pay for all of our housing, all of our relocation expenses, all of our education. I mean, it was almost like a win-win. And the moment that they said that, we spoke to each other and it was like a 10-second conversation. We we're like, of course, why wouldn't we want to do this? We went through the entire process of trying to get this to happen. We went to Madrid, which is where the actual opportunity existed. Mm-hmm. We spoke. This was with your company, with, with my company, yeah. and this, this is, is like happened when you guys were living in New York. This opportunity came up. Or? No, this is fast forward. We got married. We were living in Los Angeles. Okay, uh, and we we when we got to Madrid and we met with everyone, the evening that we were supposed to fly back home, and we were supposed to then agree that the start date was going to occur. You know, in two months we we're going to move. Everything was going to be happy. We had a, a dinner invite with, with the partner and with the HR representatives and with the people I was, I was going to be working with on the client engagement team. That night, we all got there, and Jessica being six months pregnant around there, uh, we all had a great time. We enjoyed it. But then the HR representatives said to me sort of the next day saying, how are you going to fly over to Madrid and have this baby with Jessica being so close to being sort of giving birth? And sort of we started scratching our head going, what do you mean? You know, the doctor's going to clear the flight. We're going to be okay. We're not going to have an issue. And then they, they further went on to say, well, how are you going to go ahead and handle what's going to happen with a visa concern? So the, the Spanish firm went to us and said, we cannot have you show up here and a baby being born as a tourist because my visa would be okay. Her visa would be applied for as a, a sort of a tag along to my work visa, but this baby would not have proper documentation in the slightest. This would not be an issue at all because we knew at that point that you know there was there was no complications, there'd be no 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 issues with the birth. However, you know th- what they were thinking in their mind was, what if there is an issue where you know the, the the baby has to be hospitalized for more than the three or four days after birth that occurs, and you cannot go back to the United States where we have to go to. to pick up our visa. So they said at that point, you have to go and start working in Madrid by yourself and leave your wife and soon to be child behind. 
and I don't know if you, if you, I mean, knowing, knowing that you have kids, I don't know whether you would have done that. I, I'm pretty sure looking at your face right now, the answer is no. <laughs> However, um, the thought of actually leaving your expectant wife uh, for any period of time during the last trimester was, was just a big no. So that opportunity just fell behind. Yeah. And that, that sort of, at that point, we locked away the idea of trying to go ahead and do the expat thing through this company. And we moved to Boston and we said, well, maybe travel's not for us today. Right. And we locked away the idea. Okay. But whenever you decide to lock something away that you really want, it always resurfaces. So we moved from cosmopolitan Los Angeles with a lot of diversity in our life into a suburb of Boston because that's what we thought we were supposed to do. You know, as good parents, give our kids a backyard and a fence and a great public school and all this stuff. And we did it. We did it for five years and we made some great friends, but we just weren't happy. We just, it was not what we wanted for our relationship and for raising our kids. And we looked at it and said, well, gosh, there's, there's many ways to live a life. Neither one of us were raised in suburbia. Why can't we just kind of figure out our own path and mm -hmm. the, the path we want with our children and what we want to be in their life? So where day, were you raised? I was raised in Maine. Oh, yeah. Rural Maine, right? Very rural yeah. Maine, 5,000 people. Um, my parents were apple farmers and um, developed real estate. I come from a very, very eclectic childhood. And my life, my childhood was not like anyone else um, growing up. And I'm really, really grateful for that. My parents just did their own thing. And so that was kind of already in, in my head of living a different life. But I mean, in, in what way wasn't it like everybody else's? Like um. You know, everyone else, parents, they had nine to five jobs and they had dinner on the table at five and they did their groceries every Saturday. Um, we were not like that at all because my parents, my dad actually, my parents are um, have high school education. They're not college educated. And so they right in high school, they started developing businesses. And my dad started working in a paper mill and they worked really, really hard. They've always worked very hard for everything they have. Um, and they worked odd hours and longer hours and my dad worked tower work, so he would say he would work like six to three at the paper mill. Then he would come home and work three to 11 in the apple orchard. Yeah. So that meant you were on your own a lot. I was on my own. Um, I, had, I had a lot of freedom, a lot of independence. By the time I was 14, I've had multiple jobs. Um, I had my license at 15. I bought my own car. I had, a, I had a really great childhood with a lot of freedom. And I think that's really impacted how um, Will had same similar in the sense that he had a lot of freedom from a young age. And it's definitely impacted how we parent our children. We're, we are not helicopter parents at all, not even remotely. Um, and we, I mean, we can go into that later if you want to talk about, talk about that, if you think it's a value yeah, to everyone. Um, so, so continuing where we were, we just, we woke up and said, that's it. We're done with this. Well, I, I wanted to ask, and where were you raised? Sorry. I was, I, I'm born and raised in Miami and Miami. My, my parents actually immigrated from Cuba when, when Castro came into power. So okay. I am, I'm a first generation American. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Miami's a great city like so, so diverse and uh you just uh, there's some parts of miami you don't even feel like you're in the united states which it, is a really cool thing it's fascinating because when when as, as but it is the united states like it it is should, united states. you should feel like you're in the united states because that's a good thing you know growing up in miami you always thought to yourself well life is always like this because you felt as myself, I'm Cuban-American. So my, my parents came from Cuba. And you always felt like this was not necessarily the U.S. Like you said, it's, it's a totally different subculture without question. Subculture of Florida, subculture of, of sort of the United States. And when you stepped outside of Florida or even outside of Miami, 
north of Fort Lauderdale, you start asking yourself, why on earth are people not speaking Spanish? And why on earth are signs not or billboards not in Spanish? And you start to realize that there's like a different life here. So, you know, people would say, oh, there's gringo America and then there's Miami America. And we were we were okay with that. We were okay being sort of the difference, being like the Latin hub of the of, of the world, or at least of the US. There is when myself working in the cruise line industry, when when I my first job for the cruise lines was working at the airport meeting and greeting passengers. So when people would exit the airplanes, I'd be the guy holding the sign yeah. saying, you know, welcome to Miami. Here, you know, <laughs> are you ready to go on your vacation? I'm I'm your gateway to fun. Yeah. Um, and I would walk them from their gate to the bus and wish them a, a nice vacation. So it was the best, best job in the whole wide world. They paid garbage, but I got free cruises, so I didn't care. Yeah. And hmm. every single time, and, and I'm going to sort of show maybe a, a weird side of myself but uh during spring break when everyone would come down for spring break and sort of it was a college mecca at that point uh you know everyone would show up and we would meet my friends and i uh we'd meet unexpected people saying you know who are you where are you from because we'd be more than welcome to sort of give people information about how to get to a, a taxi or whatever it is you know regardless of whether they were a cruise line passenger yeah. or not sometimes they were college aged girls and we would say <laughs> we would say well would you like a personal tour because yeah. you know being an opportunist like I was <laughs> at, at the age of like 19 I mean this was like really young uh, you know my friends and I would sometimes meet some really just interesting people yeah. to say the least uh, and they would say to us you know why on earth would would you want to live here and, and we would look at ourselves going why on earth would you not want to live here you're, you're 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 escaping to come here you know there's there's no reason why we'd want to leave here and that's that's it's funny because when you think about that um that people say that about everywhere they live you know people say that about new york city people say that about rural maine people say that about you know philadelphia they say that about sort of anywhere where they call home they say why would you want to leave here and of course everyone leaves wherever they go because they want to experience different things and that is, I think, how people become insular to a, to a degree. Because I can say, for the most part, that in Miami, for the people that I know, the people that have traveled outside of Florida or the people that have traveled to you know, Europe or to Spain, or I mean, the people that have traveled to Europe or the people that have traveled to anywhere outside of Florida is, is very small. And it's for that same logic that you, know, you think, why on earth would people want to leave? And I, I sometimes get to... The, the point where, you know, if you don't sort of get this idea in your head, like I have to leave because otherwise my brain is not fully developed, that there is, that there's, there's something missing in you. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's where we're supposed to go with this. Yeah, no, no that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just got on a rant and just I, went with it. Yeah, I, no, but I mean, that's... Can I, we I, go back to these ladies? I'm sorry, Jason. What ladies? <laughs> <laughs> that's the part I got most out of the story. I'm just curious. Yeah, it, well, it just sounds like that you were in the camp of, like, you needed to get out and see some things because to you, I mean, you'd already started seeing some things, I guess, with the cruise you know, the cruise tours and everything like that. And having travelers come in and dealing with them and taking them on these personalized tours, whatever that meant, um, you're still, you're getting exposed to the world in that way, right? So it kind of fuels the curiosity in some way, I'm sure, of, hey, what, like, where are these people coming from? What's out there? It's interesting because when we were, when we did these, I guess, personalized tours, as we're so-called <laughs> calling them, I never actually gave them a name, but uh, I, started, I started to realize because when you're living in Miami, it's a very insular community. And when I say that, because it's very sort of Latino 
focused. And everyone that I knew, the circle I was with, it was very sort of Cuban driven. You know, the high school I went to was very Cuban. Uh, the, everyone that, that every other family that we had in contact with was very Cuban driven as well. Uh, and so every girl that I knew growing up was very, you know, Latina, very sort of just that was that was what I knew. And to go and meet, like you said, in these personal tours, someone who is non-Latina yeah. uh, was, was... It was a cultural experience. It was a shock. Yeah. You know, it, it really was. And maybe I'm realize, sure at 19, you were taking it as a cultural experience, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, once he went there, he never went back, right? <laughs> Just for the record, I was not one of those girls on that um, specialized right. tour. We got I, that on the record. Yeah, so yeah, you're good. yeah. Um, all right. So in Boston, in the suburbs, you're saying you were unhappy. You guys were unhappy. And you're starting to look at these different ways of living. But I, I find this process to be not so straightforward. Like it, it can be part of somebody's story when they say, oh, well, we were unhappy. So then we decided to do this. And it's like, oh, now let's tie a nice bow around that and move on to the next part. But it, it's a bit of a process, right? Like figuring out if you're actually happy or, or not. And if, if it's like your own personal attitude or if it's the situation or if like moving the physical location is actually going to change anything or you know there's a saying like wherever you go there you are so there's a lot of these questions i mean what was that five-year process like for you guys like in terms of the ups and downs of trying to figure out well will and will and i have lived all over the united states and at that point we had lived in several very large cities okay um, I think we knew right from the beginning it wasn't a good fit for like us. Like you didn't feel it in your guts kind of thing, but you did it anyway? Well, we we moved, we kind of moved out of haste because Madrid fell through. He was a bit scorned by the company and was just like, I'm done. I've been working these long hours. I've been giving everything to them. I'm missing out on a lot of things with one child. I don't want to do it with the next. Let's just move to Boston and live this quiet life. And it works for everyone else, so it should work for us. Yeah. And Try we, it out. Yeah. And, yeah. But we were very unhappy from the beginning beginning. But, you know, like with anything, if you, you can't just give up because you're unhappy for no. a couple months, right? You, yeah, you're, you have it's to like give it real time. You're trying to get used to it. You have to acclimate. Right. And we were also acclimating. So when we moved there, I was eight and a half months pregnant and I actually got a flight pass. So within two weeks of moving there, we had a second child who didn't sleep well for years. It snowed like crazy. We weren't used to snow. We had just bought a house. It needed a lot of work. We were working on it while we were in it. And we didn't just sleep well for years. <laughs> I think five to be exact, but um, so, you know, we, we kind of thought, well, these are the circumstances of what's going on. It's not really Boston. It's right. just, this is life. Yeah, with this two is what kids I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's, I great. mean, you have two kids, you know, they're yeah. really hard, hard days. You yeah. Know? It can be, it can be tough days. For and sure. you move to a new city and the weather sucks. And so we just kind of chalked up, this is how it is. And then after a couple of years, we just looked at each other and we said, you know, this, this is not how it has to be. We're not happy. We want diversity. We want different types of food. We want this. We want that. And these conversations, this is just happening as you guys are over time, just kind of talking with each other about it, exploring ideas. It's We're really, honestly, more like ships passing in the night and talking about it whenever we could. Like if I was nursing at two in the morning because Will was still working long hours yeah. and I had a business and I was working from home. So we kind of fit it in where we could. Yeah. It was a very kind of, I mean, I don't want to be depressing here, but it was a dark time. We were yeah. just like, where are we going? What are we doing? And finally, Will said to me, well, if it's not working, why are we continuing this? Let me start talking with my current, my, his new company about going again as expats. Let's let's explore that route again yeah. with two little kids and going live in another country. And at the time, 
we didn't, it didn't even dawn on us that we could do this on our own. We all thought the only way to go live in another country right. would be through going with an expat because what about money and what about finances and how do we find housing and schooling? Yeah. You know, so from that part point, we, we said, okay, that's it. We're going to start entertaining this. And once he started the ball rolling and talking with his company, they said, this is an option. This is a possibility. And we think we can get you abroad within six months. Yeah. And we were like, whoa. Yeah. So that was it. Right. We took the house, we put it, and we rented it out, and we moved into Boston, into the city. We had already transferred one of our kids to an international school there anyway, and I was driving her every day to school. So we decided we'll just move into a temporary apartment in Boston in preparation for this move. We sold a bunch of our stuff. We, 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 we sold a bunch of our stuff. We had a garage. We had a basement. We had a three-bedroom house. We rented out the house, got that all settled, and we moved into Boston. And then at that point, we waited. We waited. And we waited. And we waited because a family going abroad is very expensive. So there were younger people without kids or single people that were getting these opportunities to go abroad over us. Okay. So they said there was a possibility, but then it wasn't materializing, essentially. It wasn't materializing. Again. Scorned again. We were burned again. again. But like I said earlier when we were talking, Jason, Will and I don't give up. And we don't, sometimes we should get to a point where we're giving up, but we have so much push and like just. But at that I, point, I mean, does it sound like you guys were, you'd already really made that decision in your head that you were going, like you kind of, did you already kind of flip this, like the switch was flipped, like, hey, we're, we're going abroad, like boom or bust type of thing? Or were you still? It, it really was at that point that we, we, we knew that we were going to go. The question was when. Yeah. And, all of these missed opportunities, just, all these missed opportunities just basically fuel the fire even more. So by the time that the second rejection came through, you know, we were, we were, the answer was not, well, it's just not meant to be. The answer is how are we going to do this regardless? And the, the actual, I guess the catalyst that drove this thing was. Well, I think that's important what you just said, because you can look at it two different ways if you're in that situation, right? You can say, oh, this is not meant to be the defeatist attitude, right? Or you could say this is, you're going to take this as fuel for the fire, like you said, and say, well, we're, we're going to figure out a way to do this. Right. Right. I mean, that's two, that's two paths. Absolutely. And so what wound up happening is sort of before we made the big plunge, there was a, the summer before we, we had the opportunity to go to France for the summer. So our kids were in a French immersion school and we, th we thought to ourselves, well, what a great opportunity to go ahead and give the kids a further enhancement to the language skills that they're learning. Was that like a dip your toes in the water, kind it, of try it, it out thing? It wasn't supposed to be, but it yeah. was. Okay. So it was, it was, you guys all went to France to this, it was, for the summer. It was honestly kind of a last ditch effort in the sense of if we can't go, it, this, the sequencing is a little bit off here. So when we got to the point of this isn't going to happen. We thought, well, why don't we just go for the summer? Yeah, okay. Just to have some kind of cultural experience. As a compromise, yeah. you know. And Right. And We're going to get something. And I presented this to Will, and Will being an accountant was like, hell no, we can't afford that. It's Paris. And me being me, and Will's like this too, I said, well, I'm going to figure out a way to make this happen now, aren't I? <laughs> and so I got all my numbers, lined everything up, and what we did was I presented Gave Will to him. Will a PowerPoint presentation. Right, right. Him sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Gave him a nice cup of coffee. You know the way to Will's heart, don't you? <laughs> PowerPoint and Excel, and he'll go for anything <laughs> and update his apps. Yeah. So what happened was... I said, Will, if, the, if I take the kids, because he, he wouldn't be able to leave work for three months. I said, let me take the kids. I was already working from home. And 
go and you come to visit for like a long vacation in the middle. It wasn't ideal, but we wanted to give the kids this experience. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you figure out a way to make it work financially. So I did. I said, okay, I've figured out we can rent our apartment out for $250 a night on Airbnb and you can stay with friends. And then if the kids don't do piano and golf and I don't have a summer helper because I I worked full time from home and I don't have the summer helper and I don't do this, I think that we will take nothing out of pocket. Yeah. And he said, Okay. So then he went to his boss and said, my wife and kids are leaving me for the summer to go to Paris. I want to take a three-week vacation right in the middle. And he had like five weeks of vacation, but they never let him take it all together. It was like you could take one or two weeks at a time. And they said to him, well, he had a great boss. And he said, you know what? Why don't you go work from the Paris office for the summer? Yeah. And that was the beginning to the end. Yeah. We went there for the summer. We had a crappy little got apartment. The t- taste of the freedom. We got a taste of the freedom, and we yeah. had a rough summer. Bad apartment. The toilet was broke all the time. I got really sick. Our daughter got mono and was so bad that had to be she had to be hospitalized wow. for five days. Oh man, it was awful and wonderful at the same time. Really, was it wonderful at the time, or was it like wonderful in hindsight? I mean, what in what way was it wonderful? Let's put it this way. So when when Avalon got mono, we weren't kicking ourselves going, oh, this is like the worst thing that ever happened to us. We were just like, you know, this could happen anywhere. So our attitude already at that point was, um, this is not sort of travel's fault. This is just life occurring. Mm -hmm. So And it happens to be occurring on the road in Paris. And exactly. And look, we survived. We survived in this crappy apartment. The toilet was broken. We survived as a family. We'll sleep, Will and I sleeping on a terribly uncomfortable um, pull-out couch thing. We had no air condition. And we came away from that summer. Even now, we think it's one of our best summers. Yeah. We Isn't grew as funny? a family. That, you know? Yeah. How those t- uh, challenging times are kind of the best of times it, in a way. It, it, I, I Just talking about it, even though someone listening is probably like, that sounds horrendous. <laughs> I, my heart gets all kind of full of butterflies and I'm like, wow, that was an amazing summer. And we watched the kids grow and saw how much they just handled it like champs and they had never done anything Was like there something about, uh, I mean, it sounds like with a lot of the corporate jobs and the places you were living in and everything, you know, sort of traditional American comfortable situation and now you're going into this kind of somewhat dilapidated apartment you know it's kind of like a throwback to (laughs) your roots getting back to kind of the things that matter in a way well i think the way that will and i grew up we didn't grow up rich yeah so we knew how to survive right you know we knew how to reconnecting to that part of you in a way i i definitely was I definitely was definitely connecting to yeah. it. I'm pretty scrappy. Yeah. Um, and it, it really doesn't take a lot to make me happy. I have, I need my kids happy and healthy and I need a good relationship with Will and I need to do work that I'm proud of and it inspires me. Yeah. Um, I don't need a lot of space or things. And Will and I were never really big consumers to begin with, Jason. We were not, we had, you know, the three bedroom house and the garage and the finished basement, but we didn't have a lot of stuff. We yeah. were not accumulators. And living in Paris just made us realize under those circumstances, we can do anything. Mm. And that changed. And and to take it a step backwards. So when Jessica and I moved to New York City, the first day that we arrived there, the first day I arrived there, because I got there before her, I was out there looking for a job because we went there essentially with an apartment, but yet with no income. Um, I was trying to get sort of a job waiting tables. I applied probably that first day to like 12 different places. It was a cold December day. It, it basically almost snowed that day. I only had about $3 in my pocket. I was able to buy a dollar slice of pizza just to go and get myself through the day. And I wanted to save the rest of the cash I had. So I walked back from the Upper West Side to our apartment in Greenwich Village, which was 
78 blocks yeah. around there. I love and, walking in New York like that. Oh I could just do that all day. And it was the happiest day of my life because <laughs> I realized that, you know what? This is the first time that I've branched outside of sort of my normalcy. And with that, I guess, experience in mind, we were able to, to take that experience and leap it forward to everything else we wanted to do in life. And this experience in, in Paris was exactly the same thing. Mm. We're just like, you know what? How much worse can it get? I mean, this is this isn't that bad. So then you made this decision. All right, so the 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 job, the corporate thing falls through. You guys decide, hey, we're going to take our show on the road anyway, regardless of what any company tells us. Because that's that's the biggest decision of all, right? Because now you guys are cutting your ties with your corporate jobs and medical insurance, the whole thing. I it mean, was- you're you're going all in on. Slow travel as a concept, as a family, was that like the idea? Like what you guys are doing now, was that the idea right away? Um, the Well, first, the first thing that came into our mind was utter fear, right? Sure. I mean, we're Americans. You know, we're not supposed to not have a job and not have medical insurance. And what is this crazy thing that we're talking about doing? But when we came back from Paris, we said, we have to do this. That's it. We have to do it. And we gave ourselves 12 months to sell everything, to figure out medical insurance, to figure out how we were going to school, all of that. And during that time, we had we had a lot of time to think about how we wanted to do this, what we wanted to do for travel. And the idea was slow travel, but we're going to test it out. And everyone has their different definition of what slow travel is. For us, it meant going to live in one location for a period of time, maybe six to 12 months, and figure out if this works for us, if we like this, can we learn a language? Can we make money? I mean, that was the biggest thing. I was a graphic designer and had my business and I could take that work and income to Costa Rica, which is where we ended up going. Um, And it could support us in Costa Rica because Costa Rica had um, a low cost of living. However, it was scary, right? Will had never been unemployed in his entire life. So the idea was to go into it slowly, pick some place that wasn't particularly foreign because Costa Rica, a lot of people speak English. Will already spoke Spanish. It was still pretty close to home. Um, It wasn't, we had never been there. We just up and went. So we didn't do a test visit or anything, but it seemed like it was someplace that would be a good place to start as opposed to going to say India where it was Mm -hmm. completely foreign for us. Yeah. How long did you stay there? 12 months. Wow. Which part of Costa Rica? So we were not in an area that I think most people go, and I actually wouldn't recommend it. We were just outside San Jose in a suburb. But our reason for choosing that location was that our kids had been educated in French schools or had French language in their their education so Mm -hmm. far. And Will and I don't speak French. And we're big um, language advocates. We think they're really important to, to be able to speak multiple languages. So we wanted to keep our son, who was our youngest, in a language school until at least fifth grade. Yeah, okay. And so we picked that location because they had a Spanish and French Based school. Based on the school. Yeah. But then you're having to live the daily life there. That must have been a shock to, to everything um, that you're... Those first five to. months were the hardest five months of my life. Really? It was... More tre- dark times. Tremendously hard. Um, it was hard on our relationship. In the sense of uh, this was... I'm sorry, go yeah. ahead. I'm no, no, that's talk. okay. Go ahead. You ask the questions. I'm, no, no, yeah. I want to I hear it. Uh, um, where you're going. It was this. really difficult because I was used to working from home alone and taking the kids to school and dropping them off and someone educated them. Will and I had our roles very clearly defined. Now, all of a sudden, I'm home and still have my workload, but now I'm homeschooling a kid and Will's not working and he doesn't do well when he's not working. So... I'll let him talk about that part. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because to go from the sort of the packed daily routine of corporate America to nothing 
is can be a shock to the system and something you have to learn. I mean, it sounds funny. It was like, well, it sounds like paradise. You know, you have all the free time in the world to do whatever, but you have all this time now and you're not, you're not filling it. I mean, what is that? What was that like for you? Well, the interesting part is this, is that you can prepare all you want for this travel life and you can get your finances in order. You can go ahead and get the internet set up. You yeah, can, all the logistical you things. You can get all that. You can busy yourself with that. You can line that, you right. can line that up for, for, you know, months on end before you actually launch. But the actual emotional part of launching, it's like turning your life on its head. And if you're not physically prepared or emotionally prepared to do that, and everyone around you is not emotionally prepared to withstand the emotional roller coaster that's going to go through, that you're going to go through, it is, um, it, it can be a challenge. But I mean, how can you know if you're prepared? You don't. You don't. You never know. However, you just need a strong core. You need a strong belief. We we always say. It's funny because when we left, we just said that we were going to do this because we we're going to do it for the children, and and that was and that was clearly our 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 passion the, for doing the thing it. that carried you through. Absolutely. Right now, that that passion became a lot stronger as we f- further developed in those first six months because we had some really dark times. Now, when but I you say, guys are doing it for yourselves too. I mean, right? Oh. You have to be because Will and I love to travel. Jason. Yeah. We absolutely love it. But what we had for goals for our family and for our children, education-wise, as well as a family unit and being a tight family and being there for each other, yeah. we're all wrapped around traveling and traveling right. full-time. Because we would not be, be you're doing You're going to be together. Yeah, yeah. We spend so much time Instead together. Of, yeah. I mean, not that you're not living your individual lives, but it's different. It's a different setup when everybody goes and does their thing, comes back at the end of the day, you have dinner, now you- And we had that life. You guys are together. All yeah, we, we had that life and it, and it worked fine at the time. Yeah. We didn't know there was a different life, really. Um, and so, oops, sorry, do you want to yeah. say something? Yeah. Well, let's stay in the dark times. Right. Yeah, the well, dark, yeah. Times. yeah. But going from sort of how life just totally changed, think about sort of your daily routine where you go to an office, you, you, you know, maybe you go out to lunch, you grab something to eat, you come back, you talk to different people about different things, you go into meetings, you're constantly interacting with different people. All the time. So you're in a conference room, you're at your desk, you're on the phone, you're, mm-hmm. at, you're at your laptop, you're maybe going to Starbucks, having a walking meeting, to now I'm in this Airbnb with my wife and my daughter, who's being homeschooled for the first time ever, and we're trying to learn what it's like to live in a foreign country, which we've never done in the past, and I am, at that point, the only interpreter for the entire family, mm-hmm. which, if you want to know what really in awkwardness feels like, try and go to an OBGYN appointment with your wife. And the doctor is asking about her medical history while looking at a portion of your wife that you thought no one else would be doing. (laughs) But it it just turned into a real challenge. And I just want to, I just want to, (laughs) I will never forget that day as long as I live. You, all you ladies listening know this. Your legs are up in the stirrups. I'm sorry if this is TMI. And your husband starts talking with the doctor about sporting events. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like, let's not get off topic here. Let's kind of like, get this done. <laughs> let's circle back to why we're here. Translate this and let's move on and go get our coffee. <laughs> this yeah. is not a place I want to linger. Right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to stay here. Don't make friends with him, Will. <laughs> we're not. Uh, but anyway, and, and Will being the only interpreter for the family put a tremendous amount of stress on him. So mm. it was like he wasn't working. He wasn't feeling that validation through work. Um, and he was also kind of, you know, houseman, I guess, doing all the things that, that he had never done before and didn't, didn't frankly want to do. We'd always kind of split those responsibilities before, and now they were his 110%. And I'm going to be real transparent here. I, I was not very, um, 
understanding to Will's situation. I was going through my own emotions and I was dealing with our children as well. And I didn't have the capacity to deal with what Will was going through. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's, I don't know. I I think about that a lot and I think, how would I do it different? And I would try to be more compassionate. But we at the time had so much on our plate that we were dealing with. It just felt overwhelming. Now, I will say during all of this, there was never one point where we said, why did we do this? Or we should go back. Hmm. Not once. We knew it was right. And we just believed that we would pull through. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. You know, and we kind of had a similar dark time like that when we moved into the RV. <laughs> that might be a story for another time. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll get to that because I saw <laughs> some of that interview with the, or that vlog you guys did with the the first RV. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we can talk about that. We'll earmark that. The thing that you just said that stuck out, uh, stuck out to me was... Uh, this idea of validation. Actually, this is a question for Will because when you work a job like that, I mean, whether you're consciously or unconsciously, you get this validation of, oh, you're doing a good job. You're a part of this um, organization. You belong to something. You feel like you have purpose uh, because you do within that context. Whatever that means to each individual, that's up to them. But uh, regardless, when you leave a job and quit the travel in the way you guys did, and like you specifically didn't have anything lined up in terms of like your own business thing, you said, Jessica, you were working and and you kind of had that going, but then you had the extra load with the kids and everything. You went from like full load to no load. Did you struggle with uh, trying to, was it like an identity struggle in the sense of detaching from this idea of like being this quote unquote important person at work to then just existing you know with your family what was that it's like a whole stimulus response model you know you you go ahead and you 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 at work like you said if you if you do well you can see the, the results in in what actually gets produced whether you know it's a favorable outcome or whether uh the project moves forward or whether sort of the day does not fall into shambles yeah in this case when we moved we were doing everything in our power to just survive the day mm-hmm. you know whenever like we our first week in Costa Rica, we, we wound up buying a car. And buying a car in Costa Rica is not the easiest thing. And also getting the cash out to, is not the easiest thing as well. We bank with an international bank. We bank with Citibank. Mm-hmm. And when we when we went to the Citibank office to take out the astronomical price that it was to buy a car, I'm sure that you know dollar for dollar, you probably get more dollar, more car for your dollar here in Norway than you do in Costa Rica. We bought the funniest oh, thing. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we bought a 18-year-old Isuzu Rodeo. Uh, it was it was it was in great condition because they keep their cars running like like champs there. But we spent about five thousand dollars on that car, a car that you could not give away in the United States, but there it was worth five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Uh, and to go ahead and take the money out of the bank to go ahead and do that, even though it was the same bank, we had to go through the ATM on five consecutive days with both ATM cards to take out four hundred dollars mm-hmm. each per day. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> so that we can buy this car, right. so that we can hopefully hope that the car is still in the market when we actually do make the the, the exchange. And then we bought the car and drove it, and a mile down the road, it broke down <laughs> in the rain. <laughs> But all that being said, you know, the whole feeling validated, our first couple months was just a matter of how do we live this life? And we never actually took stock of what we were doing. We were just saying, how do, you know, we were, How do we exist in the, now? We were trying to breathe at that point. Yeah. And there was very little opportunity to sort of 
recalibrate ourselves and saying, let's pat ourselves in the back and say what a good job we're doing because we haven't killed ourselves yet. And, you know, like Jessica was saying that she had little uh, ability to, to cope with sort of the new environment. I was having a hard time trying to go ahead and feel like I was as worth as much as I should have been. Yeah. At like the you, time. you felt like you were lacking worth. Right. It, it was yeah. more, it was more like going on a day hike that lasted a month for only one day's worth of mileage. Yeah. And, you know, to do, to do that with zero outcome is, is very, it's very just humiliating at that point. Yeah. And so but, what, I mean, what, how did you work through it? We just, we just, we, at the end of the day, we knew that if we lost it in front of the kids, that's when it got really ugly. Yeah. And so we knew that, you know what, take a deep breath, pause. And even if we're angry at each other, and even if we knew that sort of we were behaving the way that we shouldn't behave, we didn't want to let the kids see that. And mm. that gave us the time to actually pause whether we want to or not and just let things process. I think too, with like anything in life, once you get settled in, things work out, right? The car broke down, but the gentleman who sold it to us, we called him and he came and he got us and he got it fixed for us. Yeah. He said, I'll take care of this. This shouldn't be happening. The kids got comfortable in their schooling. Avalon got comfortable in her homeschooling. I became more confident in what I was doing with her. In the process, my computer broke down. There was no Apple store. It took three weeks to get it repaired. So I was telling my clients, There's, it's just going to be a seamless move. Nothing's going to be a problem. Right. And here I am working off Avalon's computer with botched fonts and all this. But those things are just, they're just details. And they, they eventually work themselves out. And after four or five months, they work themselves out. After three months, Will had the time, after he was done translating everything, <laughs> to look for work. Um, and he started freelancing as an accountant. He felt more validated through that. Mm. Um, we hired a cook, which helped out with some of the responsibilities. So things work themselves out. But we also, Will and I talked a lot um, one thing that this lifestyle has given us is the ability to sit and really talk through things with amongst ourselves about our business. When our kids have problems, nothing gets pushed away. And that, that was one of the biggest assets to this happening was that we really learned how to talk to each other and understand what we were going through and also know that we were going to get through it. And like I said before, neither one of us said, why did we do this? Yeah. And I think that was the best part. Like we were really, really steadfast in our why of why we were doing this. Mm. And every, even to this day, our why is the children. And because of that, we have to make decisions about within our relationship or with them or about our business. If we're struggling, we always go back to our why. Mm. So it eventually all worked itself out, yeah. right? And then the next time we moved, it was completely seamless. We had no transition when we moved from Ecuador, uh, when we moved from Costa Rica to Ecuador. Mm. And then we moved from Ecuador to France again. Then we moved from at France into the RV. You know, that was a whole other ballgame. Well, why, why was it easier uh, in Ecuador? Just because you'd been through it all? I mean, did you still have to kind of set up your life, like find some help, find a place, get a car? You still have to do some of these logistical things. So was it like the same logistical process, but you guys had changed? It's a little bit of all the above. So essentially, when we moved to Ecuador, we knew the only thing we had to do at that point was ensure that our location was all set up, which was, we've already done that. We've already known how to interact with someone to negotiate a long-term deal on Airbnb, which is how we arranged all of our accommodations. And we already had the school set up. And so to know that we were, all we had to do was pack our bags and just relocate ourselves. How are you picking these destinations? Is it based as a combination of school, where you want, like, your cultural interests? So for the first two locations, Costa Rica and Ecuador, it was based on it had to have a French school because uh, we wanted to keep our son in the French system for yeah. two more years. That almost makes it easier to make decisions because you have like a little mini 
it does mission, I guess. It, it kind of strips down the choices in a way. It, it right? really does. It makes it a lot easier. And Will and I don't get caught up in too much of, oh, are we making the right decision or are we not? Because we figure if we don't like it, we just leave. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, so we picked Costa Rica and Ecuador based on we wanted the kids to get Spanish because Will spoke Spanish and they didn't speak it. Yep. We wanted a French school. We wanted a lower cost of living than the United States. So that's how we ended up in Costa Rica. And in Costa Rica, how we picked Ecuador was the same situation. We wanted to continue the Spanish. We wanted the French school. And we had never even stepped foot on South America before. Where in Ecuador? Quito. Okay. So we're right in the city yeah, center. I just heard such wonderful things Two about Ecuador. And a quarter million people. Yeah. Um, I'm going to speak for, for the family because we've had a million conversations about this. It was one of the favorite places we've ever lived. Yeah. We made great okay, friends yeah. there. Everyone I mean, thrived. attempted to stick around at all? Um. N- not really. We we ha- we have the bug in us. No, we just, would like to go back and visit, but yeah. and I could see us living there again for extended period of time. Maybe once the kids are older. But yeah. we we have so much we want to see. You know, it's like we don't want to be in one place. And so Ecuador. That's that's why we chose Ecuador because of the same pretty much the same reason. And mm. after Ecuador, um, we decided we did something really crazy. Our kids are getting older, and we they loved doing this lifestyle, and we wanted to continue their love for it. So we let them make the decision on our next move. Oh. So we only gave them two countries to pick from. We gave them Spain and France, and then we have voted, but, but polled them separately so they wouldn't be influenced by the other <laughs> one at all. And they both picked France, and Will and I both wanted Spain. But we said, hmm. you know what? Who cares? Yeah. Let's give them some voting power. You know, they, this is a democracy. We're not a dictatorship. Let's, let's you know, see, let them have some, some power in this. Why not? What do we can, care? Can we bring Largo yeah, in here can. for Largo. a minute? Largo, come here. Can you come here? Part part of the homework, maybe? He's doing his schooling over there. I think Jason wants to ask you a question. Grab the mic. Grab the Have mic. a seat for a minute. Do you, do you mind? No. <laughs> How old are you? 11. <laughs> so I wanted to ch- chat with you a little bit, I guess. Because you can relax. You know, just chill out. There you go. Sitting all like... Up, up straight and you know this is a relaxing podcast episode um what are you working on over there school i know but what what like what's a typical homework don't day say youtube for you math math okay yeah, but math. i mean how do you get assigned homework like what is i don't actually get homework i just do all my work i don't have leftover work that i have to do that night okay so this is the school day yes during the day is a school day so how has it been going to school versus being homeschooled like how do you do you do you like it better what do you I like about it or not like about it i have a lot more control over my schedule and like how i orient stuff and all that i definitely wouldn't get to choose oh i'm gonna do math right now and then after that i'm gonna do lunch yeah so um i feel like being homeschooled is much better because you have the flexibility yeah. and you prefer that. What do you think about the whole lifestyle you guys are are living? It's good. I... Right, right now, because I mean, your thoughts change about things all the time, right? Yeah. Depending on like where you are, what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like right now, how do you feel? It's. Mm, I would say right now, I feel like it's fun, but we don't get enough social. We need more. More social yeah. activities. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of other kids or with each other? Other kids, I feel. Okay. And when have you had that before where it felt like the right amount? Um, 
I would say about like maybe two or three months ago when we were um um Mommish. Mommish, yes. They were fun. What's um, Mommish? Malamish is uh, another family RV, um, van lifing around Europe. Okay, so you're and with some other another family that's kind of doing yeah, the same I thing. I agree with Largo. The RV life has been a more of a struggle with the social interactions as opposed to other other ways that we've lived our life. And I think we all feel like we want more social. Yeah, okay. How do you feel to be with your parents all the time? Be honest. I know they're sitting here. <laughs> it gets boring it has a to, lot. It, it has to sometimes, right? Yeah. I mean, I know moms and dads, broken my hearts heart. over You're here. Pulling out my heart, Margo. <laughs> We're boring. Oh my gosh, we're those kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like to be around other kids, and yeah. that's a different thing. But at the, um, at the same time, do you miss being the, like the life you had in the United States? Sometimes, yeah, because I mean, you got to do like daily clubs and stuff like that. Right. Which I don't get to do anymore because, I mean... You're on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with these things, there's always a sacrifice, right? You don't yeah. You don't say, oh, we're going to go travel the world. All right. We all agree, I think, as travelers that there's a lot of value in travel. But if you live a lifestyle like this, any lifestyle you live, if you live in the suburbs of Boston, you're going to be giving up this kind of lifestyle. If you live this kind of lifestyle you're going to be giving up other things. And yeah. that means you're not going to have those things. And that can be challenging or hard, Yeah, I'm sure. I was really curious to talk to you because I have two young kids. And I often wonder, hey, if we go on the road for an extended period of time, um, will that be a good thing or a bad thing? And I, honestly, I feel like it, it's just a thing. It's an experience. Yeah, right? I feel like if I would have started earlier, I wouldn't have known what I was missing. So yeah. I wouldn't have really thought oh maybe i want to stop right but now it crosses my mind sometimes but i never really give it any thought because i i i do like it have you kept in touch with any of your friends from where you lived before or define keep in touch <laughs> i don't know how, how do you kids keep in touch nowadays is that who knows so now i'm now i just sound like an old middle-aged guy right <laughs> are you using the snapchat <laughs> <laughs> Avalon does use Snapchat, but I don't. I um, I don't think I re Oh yeah, I do text with some people, but other than that, no, I don't really communicate yeah. with other people. How do you feel when you go into a new country for the first time? It's not that weird. I mean, I I'm still in my same bed. I still have my same area. It's just a new outside. Okay, so you have the consistency with your room. You like do you like the RV? Yes, thing. I do. Do you prefer that over what you guys were doing before? I mean, I miss having my own room. Yeah, but I in the same time, my bed can be opened up onto just seeing everything. Technically, underneath me is the garage. Yeah. <laughs> That's his, his, bed, his room has the garage door that opens up, so he can open up his garage door and see everything outside. Okay. That's what he's... He has the best bedroom. Yeah. It's like having a balcony, essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, has, he has a veranda suite. <laughs> I think your sister might be jealous that she's on here. Can you pretend you're her and speak for her? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How is it to be in such close quarters with your sibling? Terrible. Mm. Are you are you fighting a lot? Or? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah. How old is she? Fifteen. Okay. What do you fight about? 
everything. Yeah. Mostly the dishes, but other than that, everything. I mean, do you think... Um, I mean, it seems like you get to spend way more time together living this lifestyle than you would the other way. Yeah. I mean, in in that way, is it a, a good thing or a bad thing or it depends on the day? It has its good moments, but it also <laughs> has its bad moments. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love this. Dishes is my worst time of the day. Yeah. Every time they do the dishes, that's one of their chores. Someone's fighting about something. It's funny because people message us and say from the vlog, they say, oh, your kids must never fight. I'm like, we're like anyone else. Of right. course our kids fight. We have fights. Like we sometimes get stinky. We get stinky a lot in the RV. Like that's, you mm-hmm. know, we're like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get the the TMI thing with your parents? Like- yes. Yes. Many <laughs> times. I was wondering that because they're here, you know, doing these interviews and everything. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to hear everything that your parents no, have going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> How do you tune them out? (laughs) Headphones and some good music? Headphones, good music, and a lot of food. Yeah. I don't know how long you guys plan on doing this, but do you have any idea like, do you want to do this for a certain amount of time more and then... Until I go to college. So you do want to stay on the road? Well, stay on the road is a rough term. We're going to go to Asia next year, and then our plan is to go on a boat um, for until I go to college. Apparently, okay. What kind? uh, Like a sailboat? Yeah. What do you think about that? It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I just talked to somebody who has been sailing around the world for eleven years. Eleven years. So that's pretty interesting different lifestyle so you're still getting the long-term travel thing but you're doing it in a different way yeah what's the biggest thing like this whole experience has taught you so far never be in an rv (laughs) i always thought oh we're gonna be in an rv it's gonna be great ah and it's terrible me and my sister were were hoping for an rv forever and then it's a letdown. Well, this is this is good because like you can work things up in your head, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the reality of it maybe is not always as good yeah. as the way you imagine it in your head, right? Me and my sister imagined those huge RVs that everybody else owns. Yeah. No, well, that's in America, yeah. right? Look around here. There's not much room for those RVs. <laughs> that's great. Well, let's do a high five here. I appreciate the honesty. I'll let you uh, go back to work. Maybe the parents learned a little something this there, is, looked like, judging is, by your reactions. Yeah, lots of years of therapy coming, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. You know, this is the funniest. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's so funny because they were the ones who wanted to go in the RV and yeah. Will and I are like, that's insane. Who would go live in an RV? <laughs> now they're like, actually, I mean, he's jokes, but I think he's getting a little nostalgic knowing that the end is coming. He'll admit yeah. it later and be like, I really don't want to get rid of the RV. well i mean how does the schooling work i really want to learn more about that so we that that's a whole can of worms so i don't even know where to start with that but do you want to start with that it it, at the end of the day it's a project and and (laughs) when we started this whole travel thing of ours we realized that this is like an extra full-time job kind of isn't it or do you dial Uh, logistically yes without question now, when, because when we realized that we were going to be traveling, we realized two things. Number one is that we wanted to homeschool our children. However, we wanted to provide each child the equivalent level of education that the other one got. So when we left 
the United States, our daughter just completed the fourth grade in a traditional school. And our son was entering the second grade technically. So we wanted to make sure that he still had that same experience so that I don't know why, whether it was going to be like, you know, it, it, it's funny because we, we do the things we do because we think that we want to be equitable. However, when we when we look back upon it, we're like questioning, was it really necessary? So, but nevertheless, when we when we started in Costa Rica, we put our, our son Largo, who we just spoke to, in a school for was a year. Was it necessary there. to take them to a school for a year? Is that what you mean? Well, yeah. it was necessary because we want to give him the same level yeah. of French education okay, because yeah, we were yeah. unable to actually supplement that that level of of fluency because right. this is like another it. skill to learn the teaching right i mean absolutely absolutely and so when we started to to engage in the idea of homeschooling though Jessica was questioning herself she was saying am i equipped to do this because oh sure i think that's totally normal right we, there's no way to actually tell yourself that you're good at teaching unless you actually do it however mm-hmm. here's one thing i know for certain all humans are human and their ability their, their ability to either succeed or make mistakes are just predicated on the level of effort that you put into it. We've been in school systems where there's great teachers. We've been in school systems where there are average teachers. Yeah. You or know, bad we, teachers. We appreciate all the educators on the, on the world because, you know, they're the, they're the ones who are making sure that we grow up to be sort of strong, solid education, uh, to have a strong, solid educational background. So we, we truly do respect and honor all those people who are educators. However, we do understand that, you know, it is something that if you put your mind to it, anyone can do. Well, I think the system's lacking certain things, right? It's not necessarily teacher's fault the, uh, that the system's not saying, hey, like, for example, in high school, I always wonder, why why isn't there like a whole class on personal finance and how to deal with credit cards right? and insurance? It's like, well, that's like the most important thing you should learn. Maybe they have that now in certain schools or whatever. I don't know. But um, I feel like there's certain things that really need to be changed that haven't been changed. I completely will. And I both agree. And so when we set out to kind of what kind of education do we want them to have, one of the things that was mind boggling to me was a standardized test. You know, everyone's teaching to the standardized test right. for kids to memorize and regurgitate. And where's the value there? Right. So we completely opted out of standardized tests. The kids have taken them throughout the years from like when they were in traditional school and they'll take the SATs. But in the middle, we've kind of taken all of that out because our goal for them from an education standpoint is that they have a tremendous love of learning and that it doesn't stop after high school or after after college. Well, how, how do you foster that? Like how what? Do you have a curriculum? So or what we do is we, we're kind of what we call ourselves eclectic homeschoolers. So we have a traditional component where they're meeting the necessary standards within the United States to attend university. So for our daughter being a high schooler, you know, four years of this, three years of that, two years of that. And we meet those standards through a traditional academic setting. And we pick these classes from different institutions. Um, that are online. That are online. Okay. We don't just buy we don't just buy a program that has all the subjects in it. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just not our path. We want to the kids to be able, when we present three biology classes, for them to look at the curriculum, talk with the teacher, and decide which one they feel most comfortable okay. with the teaching style and the connection. So for that stuff, that's off you because there's there's this curriculum and there's these right. online courses. Now, when they were a little bit younger, the first t- couple of years we taught all the subjects. But now... I mean, to be honest, we run our business, so we don't have the time, nor 
in some cases, we're not at the level of education that they right. need for certain subjects, particularly our high schooler. It's not science is not my area of expertise. So I'm not going to teach it. And yeah. if I could, if I went and learned all about it and then taught her, but then I wouldn't, I need to work as well. And I think there's really some great advantages about them interacting with other adult, adults mm-hmm. in different parts of the world. Even if it's online. And, Even if and... it's online. So we have that kind of traditional component. And with our daughter, she's actually taking university classes in high school that can transfer to university. Okay. Because why not? Yeah. You know? Um, and then we have um, what we call. What are our... some of the. Re- like, sorry. I, I just wanted to ask about the actual websites or the. Okay, resources so, or the places you go to find this stuff? That's a great question. We get that question a lot. So for our, for our daughter, who's a high schooler now, um, we are California residents. So we actually, for homeschoolers in California, they give you a stipend that you can use towards homeschooling um, programs, okay. which is really great. So, and also, um, and I don't know if it's like this, how many other states, I'm sure there's others, but in California, high schoolers can do the dual enrollment program and they can take free classes at the community college. Okay. So right now- so it's like- State by state, basis I think it's state by state. California is really good about. But are that. there a couple hubs for learning to educate yourself about homeschooling and things like that that you oh, recommend boy. in terms it's of? It's been online? so long since I've even learned about that. Okay. I mean, I read a bunch of books when I in the, in the early days, and I can send you a list if you want to put them in the notes. Yeah. Um, for people, we one resource we use now that's great for the kids is um, OutSchool outschool.com okay they have tons of classes teachers all over the place and you can what's really great about this is your child can take a class for 45 minutes if they just want to learn about one specific topic rather than taking a whole semester in it and finding "Ah, i don't really like that it seems like it's easier than ever with the online courses oh it's it's so easy it's really really easy you can say when you say i'm homeschooling them that can just literally mean like you're not teaching anything but you're just getting them set up with the online courses and saying like, hey, you got to do this during these times. Absolutely. I mean, we're completely hands off from our daughter. She has two classes through Long Beach City College. She has two classes through Oregon State. She has a class through John Hopkins. um, And she just manages it on her own. Yeah, she manages it on her own. Now, Largo needs a little more guidance, but we're, we're slowly working even out of that at seventh grade level for him to just do it on his own, you yeah. know? And then we have a, a component of our education, which is our world schooling. Even though the, our academic traditional part takes a global approach, the world schooling part is where they're out in the area that we're visiting learning. So yeah. we, we studied um, European history. We went to a b- bunch of site visits, lots of concentration camps, watched documentaries. So, I mean, how does books. that work? Like, Let's take that example. Do you... Do you say on a given week, okay, hey, don't do any online classes this week. We're going to sit down and like read this thing together and then we're going to go to these places and we're going to talk about it. Like, how do you do that? So, so for us, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are hard, heavy school days for them. They go, they, and then for the online stuff, for the online stuff. So they can fulfill those requirements to get into university. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And they're from accredited institutions so they could show something to X university and say, hey, here's all the credits I took and absolutely paper proof. And it's one thing that we don't, many people don't know in the United States. I just wondered about this because like, you know, I imagine them being like 18, like, Hey man, I've been traveling the world. Uh, Check it out. I was uh, over here and just let me in. Cause I know all this stuff, you know, I was like, well, where do you have it on paper? Like, I just don't know how it works. That is another job in itself, managing all that and holding on to all the course descriptions, all the credits that have been taken care of the links to the website. Yeah. You got to make sure you're on track with that. Yeah. Because if you're going to apply to a, a university, at least within the United States, you actually don't need to have a high school diploma, but you need to show that you've taken those requirements 
experience if yeah. you're going to go the traditional route as a freshman. If you're going to transfer in, if you're going to transfer in, you can avoid the SATs if you want. You don't have to have a high school diploma. You don't have to have taken a certain amount of languages. It, it's all, okay. it's very flexible and it's overwhelming at times, frankly. Yeah, I, I can imagine it is. Is your so, head spinning already? Yeah. You're like, I better, go, I better yeah. go start YouTubing it. <laughs> so Monday, I mean, I like the other idea where you can just kind of roll in and be like, here's what right, I've been right. doing. Let me in. Um, which I imagine maybe in like 15 years, probably there'll be universities that are I like, think, yeah, I think so like, too. I mean, we have, a, this. we have a component of our education that's unschooling as well, where they get to pursue their passions that they want to pursue. Um, and that's kind of happens like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm sorry. So Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the hardcore stuff. And then the rest of the week is is us visiting locations, seeing things, reading books, meeting with other people, um, and then pursuing any other projects. Like, for example, Largo's really into Dungeons and Dragons. So he's on a club online with other kids that he does on the weekends. But is it like a freeform thing? Are you saying, hey, X amount of hours here, X amount there? Are you saying, oh, we'll count that as a day because we did this and it feels like we learned a lot today? Yeah, we're very flexible kind of, about yeah. that. Just because Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are so rigid. Right. We want them to have that flexibility. And it makes learning fun because you're learning about the right. things you're interested in and right, you right. guys are exploring these destinations together and then you get to talk about it and reinforce some of the things that you learned as right. well. I mean, it's educational for you guys as well. It's great right? for all yeah. of us. And now that they're at their age that they're at, you know, Will and I can't just work Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. I mean, we're not, we're not yeah. a, a four hour work week. I wish we were. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to blow, blow it for anyone, but we're not. <laughs> People are doing it. It's just not us. Yeah. And so often now at their age, we will stop someplace on a Thursday and they'll go into a museum and spend all morning in there together and then come yeah. back and tell us what they've seen. We don't always get to experience everything, but as long as we're continuing to work, we continue to have this lifestyle. So Will and I have to make some sacrifices. Even though... Uh, we know what the crime is like in the States and everything like that, but there's this level of comfort because it's where you grew up. So was it hard at first when you were letting them go off into a foreign country to X destination or you were like, all right, we'll see you guys in a little bit. And it's just like, there they go. Was that challenging for you guys as parents? Um, It depends. Yes and no. It depends on where we are and if they've been there before and the level of crime and all honesty and our comfort level. For example, after spending the summer in Paris, we were just there for a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, and the two of them speak French fluently. They're familiar with the city, and they took off with three friends for, I think it was like a 14-hour day. They planned their whole day. They went to a museum. They went to lunch. They went on the Ferris wheel. No um, parents. But there are other places I'd never let them walk alone. Yeah. You know, it's just it depends. Right. I mean, the idea is is that if they feel confident enough to be in charge of who they are and own who they are, and yeah. sort of not, someone, let, not let someone push them around... And we also hand them a phone saying, yeah. you know, something goes wrong, give us a call. Yeah. Then, yeah, why not? I mean, you walk around any city and there's always kids walking around by themselves. So as long as you give them the confidence to actually do this on their own, there's mm-hmm. generally nothing bad going to happen. Yeah, I mean, this is, to me, one of the big problems in the States right now yeah. is this lack of independence or things I've been reading. I'm not, I'm not making up that idea because I don't live there, but I've been reading these articles recently and just I'm catching this vibe and I've never raised kids in the States because I live in Norway, but I know how my childhood was and it was very, I, I mean, I walked to school, I was independent, right. key kid, that type of thing. And hearing some of the stories now about how, you know, somebody might see a kid in a store and they're like calling the police, right? like a 10 year olds by themselves in the store. It's like, oh yeah, they could go to the store and buy something because that's freaking normal. Like, why, why do they have to be with their parents? It's, it's, you know, it's crazy. Um, So I've heard it's been a little, you know, 
it's crazy. And, you know, I love everything that the United States gives us, the freedoms, the the mindset that we can do anything, um, the passport that allows us to travel the world, yeah. um, an open mind. Um, but there are some things that I really don't like about it right now. And that's sure. one thing, you know, I, I when we are in the United States and we let the kids go off on their own and they're 15 and 11, I still wonder, is someone going to call the cops on me? You know, is someone going to say they shouldn't be out on the subway mm-hmm. by themselves? And I completely trust that they know what they're doing and they're capable of taking care of themselves. But that is that is something weird that I think is going on. I don't think it's helping our children um, any at all. Um, we we kind of operate from the philosophy that once you turn 14, you're like you're practicing as an adult under our roof. Yeah. So our daughter has her own business. Um, she creates her own schedule because she's 15. What's um, her business? She has an online book club and tutoring look, business. So she look at her go. She has a book club where you she, go, girl. Yeah, you go, girl. She's up in the RV. She's over in the RV. She's I not just feeling gave her well. A shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard her say, "Hey, Jason." <laughs> yeah. So she she started a book club. Um, she has and she just she has an older book club for kids around her age, and then a junior book club, and they read three books over I think two months, and then they meet once a week on Zoom and they do a craft about the book together. And then she also tutors in French, English, and math. So we give them Location a lot of Location independent. Right? Right? I mean, <laughs> At 15. I, there you go. Let them start practicing while they're under your roof, right? That's what mm. I always say to them. If she makes a mistake or something, I say, well, look, fail right now. Yeah. You have a roof over your head. We're providing you the food. Yeah. Fail, dust yourself off, and do it again. Yeah. Right? I mean. In terms of, uh, well, let's talk about the states because you brought it up. What are some of the things that you missed we were talking about it before we recorded we were talking about dunkin donuts coffee and all the bad for you food that i shove into my face when i get back there <laughs> there's no magical lifestyle where you're where you get everything you get to yeah. have your cake and eat it too there's all you're always sacrificing something no matter what you do so in in a full-time travel case you might be sacrificing um, like Largo said, like having regular club meetings or, yeah. you know, some of the routines of daily life that can be appreciated uh, or that I, I know I missed when I was traveling full time for like a decade. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I just want to like, you know, join a gym and like go to the same right. one and like live, <laughs> you know, because it's like easy and it seems relaxing. And, you know, you can you can like long for these things. And um, it's just a trade off, really. Right now, what do you how are you guys feeling? I'm I miss I mean I, it could be because we're living been living in an RV for almost two and a half years, but I miss conveniences yeah. and things being easy. You know, getting water for us, like, dumping our black water, like that stuff. It's not is like it, every day is not a struggle to figure out like where are we going to dump our water, where are we going to go shopping, right. how are we going to find a place to park, where are we going to sleep. Right. I always say that, you know, the travel life is not an easy life. It's worth it. And we still wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't, but it's hard. Yeah. And you have to be prepared for the sacrifices. So I miss the conveniences from the United States. Um, I also miss, like Largo said, I miss certain social aspects. So we entertained a lot when we live in the U.S. And we entertained a lot in Costa Rica and Ecuador and France. That's how we made friends. We had a lot of parties. But I miss being able to do it regularly. All right. You know, and I miss, I miss, I do miss that a lot. And I miss a lot of different food for sure. How about you, Will? It's it's almost like a dual-edged sword because the one thing I miss the most is the thing that I also almost appreciate the most is because in the United States, our culture is just so go, 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 go. And everyone gets it, right? You're on a schedule. You're at a restaurant. You expect your, your bill at the right time. You expect to get changed within 30 mm-hmm. seconds. And you expect to be able to up, get up and get out on your day. You know, you, you eat here in Europe and... If, if someone doesn't come by and provide you a bill within five minutes after you're done eating, it's no big deal. They, they expect right. you to sit there and sort of lounge out. There's no there's no expectation. I have to turn the table and get you out of there so I can make more money. I miss 
I miss <laughs> being able to have someone sympathize that my time is precious, but I almost appreciate the fact right. that they, 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 they think here that just enjoy life, sit back, relax. So you, 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 Dance on both sides of the table as much as possible. However, time is precious, and I, I if I were to say what I was what I was going to miss, it's the fact that um, people are are less are are not as rushed and don't appreciate my my time constraints mm. that that may exist. Uh, the other thing I I almost that I, I miss and don't miss once again is I miss being able to speak English to everyone. Um, you know, here in Scandinavia, it's, it's an easy thing to do. You can speak English to everyone. Mm-hmm. However, you're in certain countries and it, it becomes a challenge. So the Google Translate is is out there and it works really, really well for you. However, I actually like sometimes where Jessica and I are walking around and we're the only people that speak English. So therefore, it's like our own private language and no one can hear us mm-hmm. sort of saying what we're saying. Especially if we're having a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with all that being said, you know, there, there, are, there are pros and cons to everything. Yeah. And, you know, and my own selfish miss is I really miss good craft beer. Uh, you can't get that anywhere outside the I mean, United States. You I know. Told pe- me that I could have picked <laughs> one or two up before you guys hit the ride. I guess you're driving the. Army. But unfortunately, it would cost you like ten dollars each here. So it does, but you know, you guys would be worth it. You guys <laughs> here, you know. <laughs> we can split one, Jason. <laughs> well, what happens in? Well, let, let me ask you about Scandinavia because that's where you are right now. How has it been traveling through Scandinavia? It's it's funny because I mean when we listen to your podcast, it's. We, we, we hear these great stories of wonder and travel and all these wonderful people that you're interviewing. What I think you're missing out on and a great aspect of it is saying how wonderful Norway is. You don't say it enough. You don't, you don't all prop right, up you where you Pumping live. Pumping up Norway. You don't do it justice like it should be because okay. we've been now RVing Europe for the last two and a half years almost. And we've now hit 46 countries out of what we call 52. Now, how you determine 52 is, is sort of a, a bouncing ball. Uh, we recognize two un- unrecognized countries in this in this whole equation, but um, for the longest time, we always thought that France was the best place in Norway to be an RVer. It, it is in Europe. Yeah, in Europe, absolutely. There is it just it is it is between the food and and all the services and how the weather sort of can be on your side or not on your side, and you can just see amazing landscapes. We thought France was number one until we got to Norway. And and Norway mm. now granted we're here in. Why September. didn't you guys pick me and the kids up like three weeks ago <laughs> when you got here? We could have co- cruise. We got plenty of room in there, right? A couple we babies, have two spots and- on the table. <laughs> <laughs> but the drive from Nordcap all the way down has been the most spectacular thing yeah. we have ever experienced in our lifetime. Mm. And I, I, there's there's few places on this planet I say that I know we're going to be back, mm. and this is one of them without oh, without wonderful. question. How have you found the people here? It's a tale of two Norways, in my opinion. (laughs) There is the Norway of the North and the Norway of the South, (laughs) in my opinion. Um, Up until we hit, um, where was it? Where the the glacier? No, no. It was up until we. It was essentially the once you hit a certain point, there is tourism seems to be like the number one thing in this in this in the South. It's it appears to me, and that whenever you start approaching people as a non-Norwegian, they look at you as a number as opposed to as an individual. Whereas in the North, I think they don't get as many visitors and it feels more homely yeah. and it feels more sort of, they're welcoming. I've, I haven't spent time in the North, believe it or not. You guys have seen more in Norway than I have. It's very much more of like, you know, in America, we're kind of used to chatting, being chatty and with everybody in the street. And here, 
they sort of, I've talked about this in the podcast before. My buddy David runs a blog about Norway and he has an article about this specifically saying, you know, are Norwegians cold or whatever? It's like, well, no, that their version of being polite is not bothering each other on the street. So it's, you know, it's not that they're being mean. It's just that they, 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 they think it's rude or impolite to, yeah. to engage yeah. with somebody on the street. Uh, whereas, you know, we're like chatty catty dolls over here in America. But I heard it's like that in the North where people are just, you know, kind of conversational and they're, they're ultra welcoming. And yeah. I mean, to give an example, yesterday we went to a, a campsite to go and shower because we wanted to look good for you. And <laughs> at the same you time, showered here, by the way, <laughs> at the same time, we said, OK, where can I throw out my trash? Because we were just full and we wanted to sort of just dump a, a bag of trash. Nothing really small spectacular. Bag. A small bag, right? A 25 liter bag. Uh, the woman said, you didn't pay for trash disposal. You only pay for the tra- for the shower. And we were like, what? So, you know, she said, okay, fine. I'll make an exception for you. However, you know, that would have never occurred in the North. And that's fine. You know what? That's, that's sort of, I guess, the rules that she's been given. Yeah. So I'll, I'll live with that. But well, they're, they're pretty by the rules here. I and I want to tell my wonderful North story to balance that out. Mm-hmm. We were at a grocery store and we needed to fill up the water in our RV. So we asked the guys, is there any place that we can fill up water around here? And he said, there's nothing around here. I'm sorry. And then he starts talking with the lady in the line. And lo and behold, the woman says to us, hey, why don't you come to my house and I'll let you fill up your water with my hose from my house. Yeah. And so we went to our house. We filled up our water. And she said, you're welcome to park here for the night if you want and spend the night. And you can use the electricity and stuff. We couldn't because we needed to get on the road. We had to teach a class. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was wonderful and lovely. And in and, and all, all honesty, we meet people like that all the time. And I think... It's really important to kind of touch on this, that we meet so many nice people, so many nice people compared to the one or two or three that have been awful to us in, you know, starting our sixth year of this, that that is something to really capitalize and not on kind of the negative or where people aren't so nice. But you're right though, Jason, there are cultural nuances and how people behave. And if a, if a part of a country is more standoffish. I don't consider them being like mean and cold or anything. It's just how they approach people. And and you're right. Is it because they don't want to be rude and they think this is polite? Um, so we've experienced that a lot. And, and more times than not, people have been open and welcoming and wonderful and giving to us and even people who have far less than, than we do and are giving us food off their table. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's There's nothing like that when you're experiencing that. I mean, it just... You can hear those stories, but then when you're sitting at a table yeah. and it's happening to you. There's nothing like sharing a meal with a local. It's a profound experience. And that's when people say to us, aren't you afraid? Or, you know, we occasionally get a comment like you're putting your kids in danger living this life. And why would you do this to them? And, you know, you're going to get yourself killed. And, and I just I just don't believe any of it. Like I look at the stats and, you know, driving a vehicle, which I guess our vehicle is our home, which probably isn't a good good um, comparison here, but, you know, getting in the car is more dangerous than what's going to happen to us out meeting someone that we yeah. don't know at a restaurant and yeah. sharing a beer with them or, you know, some fries or something. Yeah. People are good. They're yeah. really good. And, and you, and you definitely realize how much you can step out of your comfort zone and, and sort of break down these barriers as you move along. Last week or maybe like two weeks ago was our first time we ever picked up a hitchhiker. Um, it was a young Young couple who was there was sitting. Was it there. in Norway or? It, yeah, it was. It was by just south of Troms. Yeah, and we saw them. We said, "Should we do it?" And we've always told ourselves that we should do it while we're in the while we're in the RV because 
number one, to give the kids an opportunity to sort of get get this experience because yeah. this is like a huge thing in the United States. Like you're picking up a hitchhiker. Are you crazy? Yeah, right. You know, what if they have a gun? So we, we, we wanted to break down this wall because we want to give the kids the opportunity to see what it was like. And plus we were like, well, you know, what, what, how bad can it get? And granted, you open up that can of worms and I guess, I guess it can get pretty bad. But you catch a vibe on somebody. Absolutely. They were two young people and we picked them up and we, I, you know, I want to do my part too, paying it forward. Like people have paid it forward, been really great to us. And we had the space for them. So we picked them up and they're two young people, like early 20s from France who took five weeks to backpack and sleep in tents in this weather yeah. all over Norway. Mm. And it was, it was I would say for me, it was the highlight of our experience in Norway, besides yeah. the beautiful s- s- scenery. Um, and they ended up driving with us the whole day. And then we parked someplace and they ended up putting their tent up and then they drove with us part of the next day. Oh, that's and nice. we had dinner with yeah. them in our RV and it was really a lovely experience for everyone. Um, I think the kids got a lot out of it. They got seeing, to speak French, I'm sure. They got to speak <laughs> French and see, look, you know what these, the 20-somethings, the they're awesome. Mm. They're so awesome. They're, they're doing things and they're traveling and they're making things happen and they're not... They're not going the route everyone tells them to go. They're doing it their way. And these two are no exception. I think it was really great for our kids to see that, that they're creating their own way and their own path. Right. And we don't have to just go this one path in life that's expected of us. What's your biggest fear with the kids uh, around what you're doing? I don't know. Jeez. Um. We never had that discussion. (laughs) 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 That is so interesting because I don't, there must be some things that go through your heads, like, um, goodness, I, I, go well. I, I guess my my biggest fear with them is that this experience goes unnoticed to them because it's so normal to them, and that you know what, because there are so many people that we we encounter in life, and you know we we hiked last summer, we hiked the Camino Frances, the Camino Santiago, forty five days from northern, well from from France. France. All the way to the end of Spain, so it was a on the west coast nine hundred kilometer journey. I hear some parents like, "How do I get my kids to walk that far?" <laughs> well, we 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 almost bribed them with with something that we never bribed them with ever in our life, which was like ice cream every day. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, well, that's my regular bribe. That's. I think I want to I want to make a comment to what Jason just said about how do I get my kids to walk that far. Um, from a very young age, we've never, we've never kind of, we've never said to the kids, you can't do this. So they don't know that they can't do it. And they don't even know that they can really object to it. Right. It's just, it's just what you're doing. Right. Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to hike this. And you know, once we're into it, people are like, wow, you're doing this. I can't believe your your kids are doing this. And and then they're like, oh really? Kids don't do this. Like it it doesn't really dawn on them that this isn't, this is something that they wouldn't want to do or or wouldn't be capable of doing. Right. You know? So yeah. I think it's a great philosophy. Yeah, and I mean, so the fear is that the kids, um, I guess, you know, for selfish reasons, because we're going through all this effort, for, and our purpose is the wise for them, is that they don't understand sort of what the gift that's been bestowed upon them of sort of seeing the world through through this sort of travel eyes and being able to live without the biases of prejudice because they, you know, their stereotypes are based on their own experiences as opposed to media's experiences. Yeah. Um, so... You know, when when other people approach them and say, 
wow, you're really lucky. You know, our kids just almost like shrug it off going, well, that's our life. And and that's fine because you know what, they're kids and sort of how how do you recognize the, the, the perspective of what you're doing until you've actually seen the other side? Right. And they haven't had that yet. Yeah. So maybe when they're 30 and they're, you know, they're living a life which maybe is a little bit different than we're doing now, then they'll have the perspective of what they did. Mm-hmm. But my fear is that sort of, they, you know, this perspective does not dawn upon them, which I... I you know, I, I, I'm sure will not happen, but that is, that is my ultimate fear. Yeah. I never really thought about it. So I took a minute to kind of think about it here. Um, and I obviously haven't thought about it deeply, but I guess if I would, to ha- would be to have a fear is that Will and I have really made a huge effort to be a tight family. Um, we've made a lot of sacrifices and given up a very comfortable lifestyle and really great incomes um, to spend time with our kids and to give them a life that we feel is the right life for us, um, which focuses on cultural experiences, our family bond, their relationship. So I guess a fear would be that what if they grow up and they say, wow, you really screwed it up. You know, why would you do that? Why would you, you know, why did you want to spend so much time with us? Why couldn't we, I don't know, go off to boarding school or something like that? (laughs) So I haven't, you know, like I said, I haven't thought about this deeply, but I think that would be a fear of mine that, you know, as parents, everyone's doing the best they can. Yeah. You are, we are. And although you may be doing it different than we're doing it or your neighbor, everyone thinks they're doing what's right and they have their children's best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. And we don't know. It's an experiment. We don't know how it's going to turn out. So I guess my fear would be that they felt that we didn't do it right and raise them right. You yeah. know, even though I and Will I as think, well. I think that's a common parenting fear. Right? You know? I think I would have that fear if we lived a stationary life as sure. well. Yeah. You know, we're continually. And I have I, that all the time. Like, yeah, you want to do things right, but there is no right. Right. And do, I mean, know? don't you think as a parent, like once you start thinking you're perfect and you're doing everything right and you're never questioning your choices and reevaluating and doing research, then you're really screwing up. Yeah. Right. Cause you think you're perfect. <laughs> the right? question isn't, are you going to screw them up? It's how much are you going right, to screw right? them up? Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. Exactly. Exactly. Like I know we're screwing up something, you know, I mean, like you said before, you cannot have the best of both worlds. If we were living a stationary life, we might have kids saying to us, why don't we ever go any place and do anything? Or why do you work so much? Or why is dad always trying? traveling or why do we care about what the neighbors think like there's so many there's so many different sides to it so we make a real effort I mean I never I don't have the time or the energy but I never judge how someone else is living their life and how they're parenting as long as their kids are safe right so I hope in the end that they appreciate what we did I don't need an award nothing like that but I hope they see in it what we did and why we did it and appreciate it and don't kind of hate us for it (laughs) yeah I mean I think the example comes from you know they're seeing how you live and how right. you take things and whatever you say or do, it's it's like when you're living your truth, that's right. the ultimate lesson, right? I, it's like, hey, whatever, wh- they might grow up and, uh, you know, crave stability and never travel. Right. Because they had that experience and they missed the other thing. And you, that's you their choice, know. right? Right. But they know that their parents were living their ultimate truth. And that, that to me is... Uh, is a valuable lesson in and of itself. I I I, I would totally totally agree with that, and I think that, um, like I said, we gave up what is a very comfortable life, a great income in the U.S., and a very solid 
comfortable, fruitful retirement to travel. And then even a couple years into choosing this as a lifestyle, because it's not a one-year sabbatical, it is a lifestyle yeah. that we've chosen. Um, a couple years ago, we started our business, which... How's the business stuff going as far as income and stuff? Is that... So it's a startup. Um, <laughs> so we know how that goes. It's a passion-led business and it's not something yeah, well, everyone... Share, share a little bit about what you guys do so that okay, people can so, find your stuff. And So we, we, a couple years ago, Will and I wanted to do something that we felt very passionate about and felt was important in life, which is people traveling and people getting out there. Even if it's just for a couple of months or a year or one year on or one year off, or forever, we wanted more people out here traveling so that they could experience what we've experienced and have what we feel is a tremendous amount of growth. And we've learned from it so much and it's increased our family bond as well. The problem we found that was, and it was our problem as well, is that when you set out to wanting to do this, the logistics become completely overwhelming and you're trying to live this busy life that you're having in your country that you're living in and play dates and school and homework and work and vacations and friends and you cannot get your head around all the logistics you have to do yeah. to make this happen. So you give up. I think it was smart that you guys did, like when you said you did that within 12 months, like we gave ourselves 12 months. It's like, but that all was, right, well, then it has to get done in 12 months. It has months, to get done. Know? But it was hard. You start cutting ties and everything. Like you don't have a choice. You but know? It was hard, Jason. Yeah. It, was a, it was a hard year. I feel like we have a lot of dark times on this podcast. I'm well, sorry, I mean, guys. Is, it's really not hey, that this dark. Is, <laughs> this is the reality, though. It's the reality I of mean, it, right? And I, we believe in being honest. And that year was really hard. But Will always says we were living in two worlds. The world we were currently in and the world we wanted to be in. Yeah. And the logistics were overwhelming. And the yeah. time that we had to work on it was like at 9 p.m. at night every night when right. we were tired and cranky. Oh, yeah. And we said, why don't we help people with the logistics? There's so much stuff online. Why don't we find a way to do that? So we, long story short, we created our business world tanning where we have private clients we work with. You made up that name, by the way, right? We did make it up. We stole it. It was a nice one. It was a good good idea. I liked it. It's like world tanning. That's cool. Yeah. Townies. Townies. I think think we need to get a shirt now that says world tanning townies on it. Um, so anyway, so we consult with people on a private, uh, in a private one-on-one sessions, as well as we have a group class about all the logistics surrounding this. How do we find housing? Right. How do we do visas? That want to do this? Um, not only anybody. families. Yeah. Okay. Our, we have about fifty percent clients, families, and fifty percent not. How's it going? It's going great. It's growing every month. It's growing slow. It's yeah. a startup. It's not a business everyone needs. Um, yeah. Right. You know, but I will say we have a great success rate because. Most of the people that work with us launch. And yeah. if they don't launch, it's because... If they're working with you, they're serious about it. And they they're need serious. Help. Yeah. Um, they always, 95% of them have the income portion figured out. Um, and if they don't launch, it's because they have a partner who's not on board. Yeah. And they can't convince the partner. Okay, yeah. And worldtowning.com, we should just throw it out there one more time, is... Uh, that's the where website they, where people can contact you. And stuff yeah. And like we also that. have, I, I thought we'll talk about the YouTube channel because that, that really gives a great glimpse as, at what this lifestyle is like as yeah. well. Yes. It's, and ever since we've been traveling, like I would say probably a year after we started traveling, we started recording our travels. Now we've always recorded everything from day one because that's just the type of person that we are. We like mm-hmm. to cherish all our memories and, and hold them for posterity. But the thought of actually now curating these stories into something that people may want to watch and enjoy to see what it's really like to be a full-time traveling tra- traveling family is uh, something that we now do. And Are you having fun with it? It is. It's a passion like there's no tomorrow. What we do is uh, we record our, our daily lives 
now we don't post daily because that's kind of challenging to actually yeah it the life of a daily vlogger is not as, as easy as it sounds it's no it's, to me it's like a big burden like right. i gotta get the shot i gotta like we gotta do this thing okay this is we're capturing this but how do we capture it in a real way and you have to like kind of at, at some level you still have to set things up and do it Right, you're you're editing yesterday, you're recording today, and you're planning tomorrow all in the same right. time. Unless you have an imaginary floating camera that just follows you around, it's, right? Which unfortunately, or, or an editor, which is sort of offsite, or a camera crew, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what what we try and do is is we try and just give the good, the bad, and the ugly because yeah. at the end of the day, there's a lot of people out there saying how great travel is and how wonderful it is to see these amazing sites and eat these at these amazing restaurants and and sort of wake up to these incredible landscapes. However, a lot of it's not always real. Yeah. And, and and what we try and do is give it a window to the world of what it's like to do this. Now, we're not going to show us fighting because clearly that, first, it doesn't happen all the time. But second yeah. of all, you know, I don't think people want to see that. Yeah. But we do show sort of the trials and tribulations that do occur. And and then we we, we highlight that with, with the majestic. You know, it might, might be a good tactic to show the fighting, though, because... Uh, <laughs> You know, I always say to my wife, like, I should fight with her in Norwegian because my Norwegian's not that great. So then I would just like be like, well, you, uh, I can't think of the word. Oh, I'm not mad anymore. I just gave, you'd be like, hold on, let me set up the shot so I can get this fight. And you'd be like, wait, where are you? By the time the shot set up, it's like, oh, what were we fighting about again? Oh, this isn't even important. And then you <laughs> put in subtitles fight. going, you bleep, 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 bleep. Or we're going to fight politely because we don't want people to see how we actually fight. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's funny because in the RV, the walls are really thin. Yeah. And I feel like we are uh, utter chaotic mess whenever we pull up to someplace where we have to get out so we pulled up here and two kids <laughs> want to get in the bathroom and then they're fighting i'm like guys jason could be standing right outside he's probably taping this it's jason going on the podcast he's been through right. it all. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear everything in there yeah. and i'm like you know but the reality is we're like everyone else if, if i knew that was happening i would have come running out with my recorder right right <laughs> i'm sure we can replay we can reenact that can't we will <laughs> we know each other's um touch points right i mean you think about it we're living in this rv we're under extreme conditions. Yeah. Now, I don't want to compare it to people living in poverty and those type of extreme yeah. conditions. Obviously, we're living... I mean, I think those kind of things are a given, right? right. When we're having these conversations, I yeah. think hopefully everybody knows that. Yeah, know? I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, but it still can be tough. Yeah, it, abs it absolutely can be. And I think that... I'm sure we're going to have more transitions as we go. I mean, we spent the first three years living in countries for, you know, nine to 12 months. And then we bought an RV and we moved into the RV. Well, first we bought an RV and then it was a lemon and it was yeah, full that of was mold. We talked and about before. That was a tough time. Rot mm -hmm. and stuff. And luckily the people took it back. We still lost several thousand euros mm. off it. But you know what? It, it, it but at that point, I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Why are we going to move into an RV? This is insane. You know? <laughs> and of course we go to the dealer guy and he's like, you can't live in this. Four people can't live in this. And we're like, yes, we can. We're going <laughs> to, we can do it. I am convinced that outside of any traumatic health experience that we may or may not have in the future, this is, I would say, the ultimate test of a bond, of a relationship mm -hmm. that, you know, first of all, you're traveling full time, you're with each other 24 hours a day, and now you throw yourself into a 21, 22 yeah. foot box. What's the total time in the RV that you guys are going to be sketching out of roughly? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. And, half and years. then the next move is? Asia. So, and that's more the traditional get an apartment. We will find a, a, a four wall location. We'll set up shop for two weeks to maybe a month and then explore around there and then sort of hop every month from that point forward. Okay. 
And with Asia, that was another example of where we gave the kids voting power. Everyone got, we're planning on being there for 12 months. And so we gave each person, got to pick three countries that they wanted to spend two weeks to a month in. Mm -hmm. And we haven't gotten to the point yet, but the kids will need to research their country and pick one location. Yeah. It's cool that they, you're getting them involved in the planning and. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, I think that's the only way it would really work because if they felt like it was just our journey being dragged around, I mean, you heard Largo talk, you know. There's no, there's no making that kid script it. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking back to who you guys were as people, as individuals in Boston at that time and now putting those two people side by side or maybe having them have a conversation with each other, the same people. You guys are talking to yourselves. I mean, how much have you changed and in what ways? We have changed so much. I think... We have changed so much since we first um, took our long-distance relationship to New York City and then lived there for two years and then moved to Los Angeles and lived there um, for several years. I mean, back when we lived in Los Angeles, we wanted to climb the corporate ladder, bigger house, bigger car, bigger house, bigger car. Um, We weren't super materialistic in the sense of filling our house with stuff, but we wanted that status, that American status of, look at them, they're doing really well for themselves They've got a great career, a great family. You know, kids are dressed clean and groomed and all that stuff. Um, when we moved to Boston, that changed a bit. But I, we've changed so much through this process. I can't, it almost feels sometimes like we're different people. And I look at it and I'm like, I'm amazed that we still um, are happy in our marriage because we've changed, we've changed so much. And I'll, you want to go from no. there? I mean, full-time travel is the most revealing thing that you ever want to experience in your life. You... It's when you're when you're living your life of a routine, you know, you can hide in your routine so easily. You know, your day just flows. Mm-hmm. You know, you go from house to subway or to car or to job, you know, back home, dinner, exercise, whatever, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. There's little time for self-introspection. When you are traveling full time and you are stripped of your of your routine because sort of that is the life of a traveler. You know, your 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 normal is abnormal. It becomes a yeah. It, your new routine is a sort of a non-routine with little mini routines within it. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and and you learn to deal with adversity like 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 you never have in the past. And even though you know you still have issues that arise that sort of set you back, but you realize that you know what I've gone through stuff like this in the past and I can move forward. That you start to realize. As you break down your ability to deal with adversity, who you really are. And and there's, you know, as you start to develop ways to overcome your reliance on routine, you realize, um, you know, I'm not the person who I thought I was. I am something different. I am someone who can, I guess, number one, overcome, but that's 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 fine. That's you know, that's about dealing with your self-esteem and you know, developing the empowerment to, to sort of deal with life. But the things that you've been hiding in yourself, you can't hide in a routine. You you can't you can't sit and say to yourself, "Well, I'm just going to bury myself in my work and everything is going to go away." You can't say, "Well, I'm just going to go to happy hour with my friends and next thing you know, my life is going to seem a little bit better because I can mask it tonight." It is something that you have to sort of grab on and clutch on wholeheartedly as to who you want to be and and who you really are. Because if not. I, 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 I say to myself that travel is sometimes not for the weak hearted because if it was, um, I would be sorry, if the weak hearted ever did travel, they would come to the conclusions that they maybe don't want to realize. And that's, and that's fine because 
maybe it'll make them stronger. However, if you sort of, if you break it down as to who you really are, it's really, really, really difficult to do this in a routine driven. Yeah. You know, there's, when we did the Camino, there were, you know, it was 45 days and the people that do the entire thing, they always say, this is the best moment of my life because I get to sit around and talk mm -hmm. about, you know, who I am and get to self introspect myself for, for this period of time, which, you know, Give I never, some I've never had to do in my life. Right. Right. I mean, you talk about sort of people say Isn't, that. That's know, tragic. That's that way now. Right. Like this is the only time in your life that you've gotten to give yourself space to think about. And, and there's nothing things, you know, there, there's, there's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very empowering event to go ahead and give yourself 45 days to walk across Spain. Sure. Now, you know, and you know, people walk away going, that was the best portion of my life because it's the first time they actually had a chance to look at themselves and realize who they are and who they, who they, who they, I guess maybe they wanted to be and who they've become and, and maybe how they fix it or how to just realize it, just suck it up. Right. But for us, what we've been doing is we've been, I mean, some people like, Akin our our travel life to a Camino for the last five years. Yeah, we're constantly sort of. It's more like a forced self reflection yeah. in a way daily. It it is, and the longer we're in this, it's almost the more things are stripped away. So the last the RV has taken us to a whole other level where Will and I have have had um we've had to deal with a lot of with medical stuff. Um, trauma from previous years in our life has surfaced a lot of stuff that had been repressed that we didn't even know was repressed. Mm. And what's changed within us is it's made us better communicators. Will and I are much better communicators. We know when each other is having a bad day. We know what's going on. We're able, we take the time and the patience to deal with it. We become more understanding yeah. to our kids. I think the biggest change, at least with me, has been my level of compassion. For, 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 for myself, yeah. being kinder on myself and not so harsh on myself, being kinder um, as a parent and as a partner, as well as being kinder and more compassionate to the people we meet out in the world. Yeah. You know, you don't know what other people are going through. Um, and sometimes they don't even know what they're going through. And they may go a whole lifetime, like Will said, go a whole lifetime and not ever realize it because they're never given that time like these people had on the Camino. And these people we met on the Camino that said this was the best time of their life those are the ones that made it to the Camino. What about the ones that didn't? Yeah. It's very sad to me to think that you make it to age 60, 65, and you've only been given in your lifetime once to have 45 days to reflect on who you want to be, where you are, right. and deal with anything personal that you're dealing with. I mean, right. it's it's really, it's a sad thing that this is how our life is, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I, I don't think tra travel is a, is a requirement for that no. either at the same time, you know, that's... Well, everybody's got their own situations, but that can be a personal choice as well. I mean, you can create space for yourself anywhere. So I'm just yeah. kind of throwing that out there for people listening. It's like, well, the travel is the only solution for that. I mean, I think for some people, my feeling is, well, you have this urge to travel and that's a part of it. And if you have that urge and you're out there doing it, it's probably going to be a part of your right of your travel. I experience. totally agree. You don't have but, to be traveling to do this. Yeah, or but it's certainly this. giving yourself the physical space and the change. It, at the same time, you can't say that doesn't count for something. Right, you know? right. I totally agree. And I think, I think, I guess the takeaway is give yourself that time no matter where you are, right? Yeah, right. And, and be kind to yourself. We're so mean to ourselves. It's like, why would we do this? Like yeah. give ourselves this time. And for us, I don't know if Will and I would have given ourselves that time. Quite frankly, we're very like, our personalities are not really like that. 
it's like for us, travel forced us to deal with it. It forced yeah. us right. to give ourselves that time. And that's what I'm grateful for, really. I heard once somebody said, uh, I mean, it was, it's like talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. You know, and that changes the self-dialogue pretty quickly. Right. And and the fact that we're doing this as as a family and the fact that we're doing this sort of Jessica and I as, as a couple, you know, it's even I, I, I throw this this way because if I was traveling full time as a solo traveler, you yeah. know, then there's nothing that's a, that's, a, that's a fantastic thing to do. And you're still going to come to self-actualizations and throughout the entire process. However, would you be giving those special tours to people? <laughs> I may stay in a location longer just for that purpose. <laughs> However, you can find out about the special tours on worldtowning.com. Just kidding. Backslash. <laughs> but having someone else around you to hold you accountable, I think is is the real I the power of what we've been doing. Mm. Because there have been times where, you know, I've had difficulty managing through a situation because it just it it, it blew me away. Mm-hmm. And I had to sort of dig deep into how I wanted to deal with this, this level of, of adversity. Now, if I was by myself, I could have just, I guess, slipped it back into an old routine, even though I was traveling because yeah. I could have, yeah. but being that I had, you know, Jessica and, and Avalon Largo with me, it made me realize that, you know, I couldn't just sort of hide away my feelings and, and develop a new routine that helped me sort of cope. It's, it's, it's having, you had to face it right then and there. I had to face it you're right in a 21 then and foot there. box and there's nowhere to hide. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges is at least for me in that kind of scenario that you guys are in is, uh, is, is finding a way to not get swept up in somebody else's drama even if that somebody else is the person that you love and you're married to or whoever, it can be very easy to kind of get caught up in somebody's energy and to let it affect you to a point that, you know, if they're having a down day, then you have a down day. And like, it's, it's, it's been probably one of the biggest exercises for me personally to try to understand. And maybe that's where the compassion piece comes in, right. To understand like, Hey, I can feel compassion for this person, but I don't have to be, I can be compassionate. I can be there for them. And let them know I'm there for them, but I don't have to also be kind of swept up in the wave of whatever it is. Yeah. You know? That's really hard to do. It's very hard. It's very hard. And particularly when you're in a small space. It's energy. There's It is. It's really, really hard. And I think I mean Will and I past stuff and it's yeah. It's we're a work in progress. Yeah. For sh- for sure. For everybody. So you you know, you're asking, you know, how we've changed. It's almost as I always say to Will, sometimes it feels like we've lived so many lifetimes in our 20 years together because so many different, we've had so many different paths. Yeah. But I like to think that we've become better people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for everyone, that some that means something different. Um, but I want I want to leave this this earth um, and and go um, to the land of cheese. Um, mm. I you know I hope that I made it a better place and that 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 what follows me or the legacy I guess would be that I did my best to help other people and care about them and take care of myself in the mm. process. And I was never very good about that before we started traveling. Mm. Not at all. Hmm. But it, it, it also on that same note, you know, it's very it's. It, the challenge resides in, in this life that we're living right now, Jessica and I, is that we're partners in parenting, yeah. we're partners in life, we're partners in business. There is, there's, I would say it's that- It's got to be hard sometimes. There is, there. if you want to paint a line of what we each do, there is overlap in 99.9% of everything yeah. that we do. That's not for everybody. Not like, even I, I think slightly. like if a couple's traveling full time and like they don't have to run a business together if it's not going to work for them. You know, would you guys agree? 
Uh, I think probably one of the hardest things we've done in our relationship is run a business together. I think it's very challenging. It was harder than becoming parents or buying our first yeah. house or deciding to travel. Um, we have very clear... It's like, what hat am I wearing right now during this right. conversation? You know? Especially am with Am I going to take this business conversation personal into our relationship? Because it's business related. Yeah. And when you talk about sort of when someone's having a bad day, what do you do? Because our life is so intertwined and yeah. everything. We can't just hide away going, that's your problem, you deal with it. You know, I'm going to move on to my thing. Right, I'm going to go over to the water cooler. And- right. <laughs> we, we, have, we have to be there to support each other and bring each other up, even though sometimes, you know, we're thinking the same thing. Well, do you guys ever just take a break? You're like, hey, I'm going to go on like a two-week trip by myself and have fun with the kids and I'll meet you over here. It's funny you mention that. We... I had to. I left to go to Los Angeles to have surgery on my spine, and even though it was surgery on my spine, oh, I had. Oh, it's better. It's, it's a. It's serious. not a bad thing. Okay. But um, I had three weeks without the family, and I really, really missed them. But I think I needed that. Yeah, I needed those three sure. weeks. Um, we have not done that enough since we started our business. And we, this is going to sound weird. I'm sure people listening are going to be like, well, isn't their life a vacation? No, we haven't taken a vacation, like a proper vacation with no work since we started the business two and a half years ago. And it's yeah. a startup. And when you're not working, you're not making money and you feel like you need to always be working. Is this and what always... you're doing full time? You're still doing the freelance graphic design? No, no. The, like we, do, we do world towning full time. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are all in on that. We're, we're all yeah. in on it. I mean, we just, we, we keep opening new, new segments to the company as well. Like now we, we're doing one to two group trips a year. We have our first one in Morocco mm-hmm. in, in December. So we're branching out into other areas, but each time we branch out, right, it's more work. Now we love, love what we do. Um, but that can be, that can be challenging as well to say, well, I'm just going to take a break, but we made a decision and our goals for 2019 yep. when we set up our business goals that we were going to take a proper vacation. So right. we've only got a couple months left, Jason. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. We don't, we don't have it on the calendar yet, but yeah. I think it's going to probably be after our Morocco group trip. Like, right. We're going to get it in right at the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, so you could say- just go one town over and stay in a Airbnb or a nice right. hotel or whatever, and just have some days to yourself. We're just looking for one day to sit back and just watch Netflix all day. And then, and then that's, that may be just enough to recalibrate the clock. Listen, you guys, you're, I don't know when you have to leave today, but you're welcome to hang out here. And I want to hang out a little bit in the little tent over there. That's super cute. My kid's tent over there. We, we had my mom drag that over because we got it for like 20 bucks in America. It probably would have been like a hundred dollars here or something. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. I can imagine. Um, It's very cute. I think we could all fit in that. Just a couple more questions because I know I've kept you guys for a while. Wow, this is uh, this is. I mean, I could keep talking and asking <laughs> questions all day, but I know you guys have to hit the road at some point. What if the kids come to you one day and they just like have this collective meeting that they're just tired of this? I mean, have you guys? Is this an open conversation for this to end? Like, I know you have these plans to get a sailboat later and all these different things. Like, of course, life happens and things can change. What's what is the so. We have this conversation and ask the kids if they're happy almost monthly, okay. if not more it's often. It's like an like a official check-in type of thing? It's official there? check-in whenever one of, either one of us say, hey, how are you guys doing? Yeah. Do you want to go back to traditional school? Do you want to go back to the United States? Um, the answer is always no, but they always want to go back for a trip. Okay. Yeah. So we go back once a year for a trip with them. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if they ever decided, even if it was just one of them, that they were not happy in this lifestyle anymore and did not want to do it, we would not continue. Yeah. That's been our rule from the beginning. Now, that, how would you, I mean, we would not completely stop traveling because one person doesn't want to do it. We would find a compromise. Right. So that would mean it maybe would be, it's an open discussion with your family. Right. Like yeah. maybe we go summers only, or maybe right. we finish this year and then take a year off and then go back for a year. Or maybe we, there's something you wanted, you really want to live in Japan and that's really above our budget. Let's consider that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, the last thing we want them to come back to us and say is you ruined my childhood. Yeah. We don't want to force them to no. do this. And what we, like you heard with Largo, we, we foster an open communication. He is free to say what he doesn't like and what he does like. And he's free to tell other people and he's free to say it on podcasts. And some days they love this life and some days they'll tell you, I hate it. Well, that that's anybody. That's right. You guys, right. that's, you know, I'm sure you wake up some days and you're just like, oh, do we really have to go find another place to sleep? Right. You know, figure I, out where the store is and, I get big time travel planning <laughs> fatigue, right? Yeah. Where I'm just like, I'm not worried. Well, and you're planning for other people too, so. <laughs> right. Sometimes we'll get into a place at midnight and I'll and we'll wake up in the morning and it's our Saturday, Sunday to go do stuff. And we'll, and I'll look at each other going, I don't even, what's the name of this town? Right. And what are we going to do? But then you know? on the other side, let's hear like some, some magical moment or something that kind of paints the pictures of what this lifestyle is all about for you. I mean, the easiest thing in my mind was just the other night, we just had an outdoor campfire. You know, we yeah. just, we, 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 we opened up our, our garage underneath Largo's bed and we pulled out some firewood and we, we, you know, we grilled up some salmon and yeah. there is nothing more magical than just sitting outside by a fire mm-hmm. and just sitting yeah, and being present with, with your family. Yeah. The hard it's part. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The hard part is, is sort of always being caught up in the rat race and the hard, you know, what I think is, is in what everyone's, in everyone's mind is that. Everyone thinks just because you're traveling, you you sort of you've hit that magical nirvana that life is just now perfect, and you know it still continues. You know, being a traveler is still a full time job. You know, regardless of whether it's the income side or the logistics side, mm-hmm. or in our case, the education side or the driving side, we still have to do what we have to do to keep this up. And yeah. it's not just sitting back and enjoying life. The moments that we get to sit back and go. Like okay. soak it in, yeah, yeah, and just and just listen to the sound of of the, the river cascading across next to you. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think. And you're are you having those moments daily? I'd imagine, like, yeah, at some point you have space and time for that. It's a forced. Okay, yeah, you, thing yeah, you still have to make time for it because you're yeah. busy. You're all doing your things. They're going to school. It's still there's busy there's, life. there's times where. Either Jessica's looking outside, going, "Look at this is just so like, amazing." Stop. We Put have time to stop out. You have to go look and at go this outside pink sky right and enjoy now. this. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or sometimes it's me. And the part about what we're doing in terms of not just sort of living this life, but also documenting it, is that it forces us to stop and take these images. So when we're when we're outside in the morning and we just want to wake up and stay in bed and and just like relax a little bit and maybe you know what if you sit in your bed for an extra 20 minutes trying to catch up on news or what's going on in social media that's fine but you realize at that point at least for me with with the shooting is that I'm losing out in the best light. So I force myself to get out of bed and sort of maybe take some images. Okay. Yeah. And it's in those moments where I just sit back and I just say, you know, why on earth do I want to stay in bed? This mm-hmm. is just too miraculous yeah. to, to pass up. Sleep's pretty nice though too. And I, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and in a comfortable bed with good linens. I don't even know what that's like anymore. Um, you know, I, I agree with everything Will said. And I, I'd like to say, oh, the best moments are this time in the Galapagos when we did this or when we hiked Machu Picchu with the kids. And those are great moments and memories. Um, the best part for me is the relationship that we have with our children. Mm-hmm. We get them, you know, hopefully we'll live to 80, maybe 100, you know, at this point, the way medical is going. And we get them for 18 years, if we're lucky, maybe a little longer, a little less, and that's it. And then they go off and do their own adventures. And if we've raised them the way that we want to, we want to encourage them to go off and have their own adventures. So the time that we get with them now, 
those moments, whether this is it, this is it. and it, even if it's just doing Can't something like breaking up a fight with them fighting over dishes, yeah. you know, we get to be there. And in the middle of the day, Will and I may start our work day at seven in the morning. We may not stop till midnight, but throughout the day, we've had breakfast with them. We've had lunch with them. When one of them's had a struggle in something, whether it's with a friend online or something with school, we stop for an hour and we can deal with it. And those to me are the most precious moments because I don't think that for us and the way Will and I are in our personality, that if we had lived a stationary life in the United States, we would have those moments. Yeah. I just don't think travel is the, the key component that contributed to this life, that kind of uh, relationship with our children, yeah, for sure. Creating that environment where you get to be together in that yeah. way and experience those moments. And so far, they're not saying, well, I know maybe Largo is. His sister's not much nicer. <laughs> um, but I think actually, I think they do still like, even though he said we were boring, they do, you know, still enjoy spending time with us, but we yeah. give them space too to let them be them. And, you know, if people have often ask us, they say, well, well, what if they grow up and they want to live a stationary life in suburbia with a big house and a big car? You know, are you going to feel like you failed? Are you going to be upset with them? No. As long as they're happy, that's all I care is that they're happy yeah. and they're going after the things that they want in life, whatever mm -hmm. that may be. Yeah. I think that's a great place to end. <laughs> and I imagine that, you know, I'm sure some people listening might have some logistical questions and that's what you guys do. And I'm, I'm guessing you have some articles on worldtowning.com related to... Yeah. you know how you guys handle insurance and it's more on homeschooling and things like that we have all that kinds of stuff and there's there's a blog on there that we don't write on anymore um, but there's tons of resources on there it's also as well as the YouTube channel is, has a lot of yeah. resources we we taught we're an open book so cool. if you have questions just email us cool yeah I was gonna dive into that stuff but then I really just wanted to focus on the lifestyle here and and it's such a unique thing with a family of four and now in a 21 foot RV and uh just getting to talk to you guys in like a moment of time right now where you are in your lives here in person in your living was, room was uh, in my living room was a real uh, privilege and an honor so i'm really glad that you guys took the time to you know park out here on the street drive over here and and take the time to chat so we totally thank appreciate you. you having us and thank you. to be honest to be able to sit on a couch that was <laughs> Hey, seriously, hang out. What time do you guys have to get going? This is so comfortable. I'm, I'm serious. I feel the same way, Will, because usually we're doing podcasts. We're in the RV. We're both hunched over the microphone together. We're like, don't, don't cough, don't sneeze. Oh, I got to pee. You know, this, this is really lovely. I feel like I feel like you should have like a show on TV. Uh, yeah. I feel like I, I could take a nap here. <laughs> take a nap here, by all means. Seriously, I thought you were going to say take us something else. <laughs> I'm so glad you didn't say that. Thank you for having us, Jason. Thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll be in touch and uh, we'll see you guys soon, I hope, again. There you go. I had such a blast recording this show with them and uh, I want to thank Jessica and Will and Avalon and Largo. You guys were awesome. They stuck around for dinner afterwards. We hung out and you can see it all behind the scenes on their vlog over at World Towning on YouTube. It's episode 198. They shot a bunch of video in my apartment when we were recording this. And you can get behind the scenes in the podcast and check that out. So I encourage you to do that if you're curious. And you can also follow them at worldtowning.com. Just a great group of people. Consider them friends now. We've met, hung out, and uh, can't wait to run into them again. So you guys, if you're listening, thank you so much. And to you, my friend, the listener, thank you for being here. I know this was a, a long one and you're here at the end, we got a couple treats for you. First of all, in just a moment, I'm going to share a little audio from my RV tour with the World Towning folks, and you can hear some tips around 
uh, just RV life and just be on that little tour with us through their 21 foot home, which is <laughs> insanely tight. How when, when you're in there and you actually experience the physical space and you understand that all four of them are there, it's really an incredible thing. It really brings the reality of that lifestyle that they've been living the last couple of years, at least in this RV uh, in Europe and what that must be like for them day to day. So we talk about that a little bit and I'm going to bring you that audio in a second. And I want to answer this question about travel being the ultimate test of relationship. First, I want to quickly thank Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga will take you to a page where you can find the best travel backpacks in the world. doesn't matter how long you're going for, three weeks, three months, three years. You're going to find the perfect pack for you. They actually have some new packs for females now. So really, like any type of travel you do and any body type you are, there's a Tortuga Backpack out there for you. And you can get 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL. If you just type in the world travel and check out, get 10% off. I know you're going to remember that. And that's for you because you're a Zero to Travel podcast listener. And if you decide to purchase anything, you'll also be supporting this show and my work here. So I thank you so very much for that. If you're in the market for any style backpack, be sure to check out Tortuga. Thanks again. Okay. Travel, the ultimate test of a relationship? I think so, right? I mean, I guess it really depends on how you're doing it. If you're a business traveler, let's say, and you're with your team and everybody has their own individual room and maybe you meet for dinner or whatever. Not so much, but I'm talking about, you know, hardcore travel, like you're out on the road with somebody for a period of time, whether it's a road trip, even for a weekend, right? It's amazing how much you can learn going on a road trip with somebody for a weekend and just being with them all the time. So is it the ultimate test of a relationship? I think so. I think so. I mean... If you're in a relationship now and you love travel, you better get out on the road sooner than later with that uh, potential spouse or potential wife or husband or whatever you're considering because uh, you got to see how it goes out on the road. doesn't mean, listen, not everybody travels together and I get there's a lot of couples where it's like an opposites attract kind of thing where maybe one person loves to travel, but the other person hates it and they just do all separate things and that doesn't bother them. I'm more of the type of, I like to do things with my spouse and experience things together. And travel is definitely one of those things. It's fun to have the shared value of travel for me personally. So if if you are the same way and you haven't gotten out on the road lately with your loved one, you're testing the waters, or you know maybe you've done it many times and you just haven't done it for a while, get out there. Take a little road trip with your your honey boo or your baby bear or whatever you're <laughs> calling each other, whatever pet name you got for your uh, for your friends, for your loved ones, whatever the case. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying other than, uh, you know, get out there and travel, which is kind of what I'm always saying, right? <laughs> anyway. All right. So I'm going to bring you this audio from the RV tour in just a second. I do want to give a shout out to somebody in the community first because she wrote me an email And the subject line was, it's happening with an exclamation point. This is from Lauren. She said, hey, Jason, it's happening. I'm traveling. I don't know if you remember, but I emailed you a few months back during that time. I was pretty sad and I felt like it came through my email. Then soon after, I was feeling hopeless and sorry for myself. I got a great opportunity to travel to Puerto Rico for five weeks with a family member, had an amazing time and a life altering experience. When I got home, it was nice to be back, but also terrifying 
that I was back to being stuck there. No less than one week after getting back, my cousin asked me to go to India with her for a month to prepare for an international conference for agriculture. I'm here now and loving it. I'm thinking of applying for my master's in Spain to learn Spanish, get a master's degree, obviously, and travel Europe and more. So I just wanted to give uh, Lauren a shout out because, wow, I mean, this is how it goes, right? That In her case, she was down. She took this trip and then things start leading to other things, right? Now she's in India. She's considering this master's program in Spain. It's just funny how when you get the ball rolling, you never know where it's going to lead next. Literally, when you're traveling physically, where is it going to lead? Emotionally, where is it going to lead? I don't know. I know if you're listening to this, you love travel and it never hurts to take a trip, no matter how small or big, because you just never know where it's going to lead. So get out there and do something fun, plan something fun. Um, uh, here for you if you need any help. Of course, you can always reach me, Jason, at zerototravel.com. I really appreciate uh, that you're here, that you're part of this uh, listening community. I also want to thank everybody that just recently joined our community, Location Indie. If you're listening to this, welcome. By the way, we're doing an adult summer camp. Holy mackerel. I almost forgot to mention that. This summer, uh, June 2020, June 12th to the 14th, 2020, we are doing an adult summer camp, which is insane. If you go to campindie.com, uh, the page, if it's not up at the time of this publishing, is going to be up this week, and you can get more details there. We're just bringing together a bunch of people living unconventional lifestyles to just exchange ideas, share knowledge, hang out, and just have a blast together, eating s'mores, doing archery, swimming in lakes, all kinds of cool stuff. So hope you'll join us to hang out in person for that event. And we're always designing new in-person experiences. So if you're not on the email list, you know, I'm, I'm dropping too many links. You're not supposed to do this, right? Just get on the zero to travel.com email list and you're not going to miss anything because I always blast out all the good stuff because I don't want you to miss it. And if you're somebody that's listened to the podcast and then you take the effort to hop on the email list, you better bet your sweet little behind you're going to get all the invitations to any of the in-person events we do, the online stuff. Um, and it's really, I mean, you get them here in the podcast, but you get the reminders so you don't forget because you don't want to miss the stuff. So hop on the email list there. I also have a free audio bonus that I'm giving out on the email list right now on the homepage, zerototravel.com. So do that. If you haven't done it, you can do it right now. Hit pause and do it. And uh, you can, we'll welcome you with open arms there in the uh, online community as well. So that's it. That's a wrap. Uh, well, it's not a wrap. <laughs> I'm kidding. Because we got this bonus track, my RV tour with the townies. Listen in and I'll come back for like 10 more seconds on the other side and leave you with a quote today. So here's me jumping on the RV with Jessica, Will, Avalon, and Largo. All right. This is a, this is a zero to travel bonus track, a little hidden track for you. And we're on the world towners RV, the townies, the townies. we're on their RV. We're in their home. We're in their home. Um, here with my kids and they're crawling around. Maybe you can shut that door. So Oscar yeah. doesn't crawl out. Um, all right. So I just wanted to describe this because there's the, the reality of the travel life. And then there's the reality. Like when you're sitting in the RV and you're like, wow, like I'm, I'm sitting on the, 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 the table. I'm sitting in Avalon seat, apparently. <laughs> um, there's like a table and then across the way is another sort of seat. Uh, and like Jessica and I, our knees are pretty much touching. Like that's how <laughs> close you are. And I'm so, sitting in the office. 
yeah. And, and you're sitting at the dining room table. I'm sitting at the okay, yeah. And when we're <laughs> and our knees are touching basically. And uh, Largo, you were saying you know when you had an uh, RV idea in mind, you you imagined like this yeah. McMansion RV, yeah. right? Like a Class A giant bump outs, yeah. things like nothing. Nothing here bumps out, does it? No, no. nothing bumps no. out <laughs> except for a bumper bumps out, right? <laughs> and sometimes we bump each other out when we get a little tight in here. Yeah, we were envisioned like the jacuzzi and all this stuff. When we start first time we started looking at RVs was probably a decade ago, yeah. and we went to like an RV show or something oh, in the it U.S. Had the biggest ones ever, and it had a bedroom in the back and four bunk beds oh, right. and the. Yeah. The pull-out. plated uh, right? you know, sinks Toilet or whatever. Seat. Washer, dryer. Right, washer, dryer, dishwasher, all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> this um, is the reality. All right, so let's ask a couple RV questions. Like, how much did the RV cost? How did you do the research to find it? Where did you buy it? The RV cost about 35,000 euros. Yep. And we did the research by, by trial and error. We bought <laughs> we bought a, a bum RV the first time. We bought a lemon. We, we bought, bought a, a lemon, lemon. And then luckily we were able to return it with minimal out-of-pocket expenses. Yeah. And then we started realizing, okay, it's time to do some homework. And realize what we're buying and why we're buying it how we're buying it. And then we eventually realized that in Europe, to buy an RV, um, mm-hmm. you got, have to go through a dealership yeah. for, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, not unless you're buying it for us. By, unless you're buying it from us when we sell ours, which we'll be selling ours in about like four or five months. But which country was it? In France. And is that is there a certain country where it's better to buy it? Like, well, then you can you can actually buy them in. Is it Netherlands? I think that has a company called Happy Campers. So if people want to buy, when you buy a vehicle like this, you need a place an address to register it to. Right. So unless you have a visa or a permanent residence or someone that you know that will vouch for you in Europe, you can't do it. But Happy Campers and a couple other companies will um, will sell them to you and register them for you as well. They'll sell them and then... All right, all right yeah. Allie, hold on. We're, we're recording a podcast here, Allie. Yeah, yeah it's okay. You go, girlfriend. Oh, you don't want to sit on my lap? She wants, she wants to drive. She wants, she wants the oh, full RV experience. Out of the way. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so what we realize is that for... for Wait, for that's that, a good hack because, you know, that's the thing. People don't have visas. They want to come over. They want to buy yeah. an RV and sell it back at the end. So there's companies that will give you an address and make yeah. it all legit on paper. We've basically. had several... Our clients, we've had them go through several different companies. And so they will, they'll they'll have it completely outfitted for you, what you need. And they even have a garage if you want to go in and, like, see if there's a used hot plate in there you can add to your collection. They'll register for it, you for it. They'll help you get insurance. And they will buy back. They will offer you a buy when you take it off the lot. They'll offer you a buyback on it. It's a guaranteed right buyback. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I mean, you 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 definitely um, they're making their money off of it. Yeah. But but nevertheless, it's it's a it's a sweet operation that you can get into an RV without having to go through all the paperwork and all the red tape. You know, it's actually yeah. an option for me because I failed my Norwegian driving test, <gasps> so I don't have a driver's license. No way. Yes. Even though I've been driving for so long. They don't have a res- so with our driving, we had to get after being in France for a year. You need to get. A French license. Uh-huh. They have a kind of a reciprocal deal with certain states in the United States. And we happen to have licenses from one of those states. Okay. So we just brought it into their version of the DMV and they took our license. We paid, I don't know, 60 euros and then they mailed us a French license. Okay. Without cool. having to do anything. Yeah. yeah. They don't have anything like that here. No, unfortunately. But we're not going to say on that topic because it's one that really gets me yeah. fired we, up. Oh, let's get you fired up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, since Avalon wasn't on the podcast earlier, mm-hmm. now she is. She can say she officially is. Hello. Um, what do you think about RV life overall? 
Compared um, to like some of the other modes of travel that you've experienced. I like it a lot because, yeah. well, wherever you go, your stuff is always with you, which yeah, is something yeah. I like, even though we don't have much stuff. It's like if you go someplace and there happens to be a water park, you have your bathing suit with you, or if you like, if you hadn't been in an RV, you would have forgotten it at home. So that comes in handy a lot. But um, I also like having like the ability to travel around the world and go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And just have the conveniences of home. Yes. But yeah. I especially like driving for hours on end and have a, having a bathroom back there. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. nice being a passenger for hours on end. Oh, yes. You can kick back and read. Mm-hmm. You can hang out. What are you reading right now? Um... I'm rereading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone nice. right now. <laughs> she particularly likes dumping the, the black water. No, in the I do not like doing that. <laughs> the black the, water is the, the bathroom the water, right? No, the it's poop. the poop. The poopies. They have to dump their poopies out, Ellie. <laughs> look, she's got that look on her face like, I don't think I want to do this now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lucky lucky for Avalon, she has a daddy who does it a lot. Yes. <laughs> poop? Oh, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we won't go there. Let's ditch the toilet humor. But I mean, I guess, you know, on that topic, you're living in close quarters. So this is part of the experience, right? It's, yep. you know, there's not much privacy. You share the oh, bathroom. God, no. It's, yeah, it's, it's really, Sometimes, but it's, it's so uh, homey. It's, it's, uh, I mean, the feeling I get in here is like love and character and, um, the you, know, you walk in, you feel like, yeah, it's not, there's nothing, st- like, it's like a home. You guys have little decorations, you got your books up, a little chalkboard uh, with Darth Vader on it, which I love. You know, it's it's very uh, charming, we've, we've tried I would to say, make in one it, word. We've tried yeah. to make it homey and comfortable, I think, you know. I mean, if it was sterile, I think that we would have a hard time sort of living this life because I think just our personality breeds in this place, and otherwise it just it just wouldn't work for us. Yeah. My, and there was a lot of questions as to whether, like, these little personalizations we do would affect the resale value. And we're just like, you know what? It's not worth it to live in, in sterility. Right, to make an extra, you know, thousand bucks. Right. Or uh, my kids are tired, so this is going to be a pretty short bonus track. Uh, I think they're taking to the RV life. I think yeah, they like you this. guys, you're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I can't get enough of being right here when they're crying like this. Awesome. And there's only place to escape to is the bathroom. We've had some moments where Avalon. That's has still to the only place to escape to at home. Too. Right, right, you know, right. It, right. That, some things never change. That bathroom becomes very useful. The kids have oh kind of put God. blankets down in there and had taken classes in there before. Avalon's done it's some tutoring in there. It's warmest place in the RV when it's cold in here because the heater in there will like heat up that room faster so whenever it's cold one of us will probably be in there sitting like right next to the heater waiting for the entire room to warm up so when you buy an RV do you usually have to pay like cash and then sell a cash it's not like you can't get a loan no we did bank transfer yeah Yeah. there might be places where you can get a loan I don't know I don't know about Europe have you ever calculated like how much you save on accommodations approximately versus like how many nights you'll have two and a half years worth of nights in the RV I guess so people can figure that out yeah, you well, know. we don't. And then when, if you resell it for, say, 8000 less versus what you would spend in accommodations. Right. And well, we, we've only stayed in campgrounds about 20% of the time. Okay. Yeah. So um, most of the time we boondock. Mm-hmm. But then there are those extra things we spend Gas money on. And... For example, we went on to the Chernobyl tour, which was oh. like a $300, 300 euro tour, which is a quite expensive tour. We've done things like that. We've done glacier hikes that are pretty expensive. So the money we're saving in accommodations, we're often doing yeah. on kind of yeah. adventures. Well, but and that's a good feeling. Our kind of deal when we bought this was we went at a higher price point than we wanted to. And instead of staying in it a year, we decided to stay in it too, to kind yeah. of balance that out. Yeah. And, and, and How far into it are you in the RV, into the RV? We're, we're only got two months left. Oh, okay. Two and a half yeah. years wow. so far. Is yeah. it getting like kind of bittersweet at the end or is it starting we're to get... nostalgic now. Yeah. 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 I've definitely wanted to 
stay in it more than we're going to. When we um, left to go to the U.S. for a month, uh, like a few weeks ago, it was definitely like everyone wanted out of the RV because we've yeah. been in here for like months straight. It hadn't been fun. We've been driving a lot. And now that we're back, I'm like, I like it here. I don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah, it starts to get kind of sad when these things come to an end because you'll never you'll never have this RV again and this experience in this exact vehicle. You yeah. Know? It's like all good things come to an end type of thing, but it's... Uh, I mean, we, yeah. we get out of it about every, I'd say about every nine months, we get out for about two months. We go back to the U.S. or we go take a yeah. long hike like we did and everyone kind of regroups. I think that's an important point. Like some people might forget about that. It's like, oh, I have to live in an RV for so long. I couldn't do it. Like, yeah, you can you lock can, it yeah. up and go some. Where do, you, where do you keep it? Oh, my gosh. We parked in, we parked in Estonia. What did we pay? 25 euros for the month? For the month. For oh, a month. Okay. Yeah, you just work it out. You just figure it out. And figure it out. I mean, you have even, friends. Even if, the, even if the parking attendant only speaks Russian, you figure out how <laughs> yeah. to make it work in Estonia. Like, uh, point to a calendar. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how we've done that a couple times. It hasn't been an issue finding places that will store it. Not at all. Ellie, do you think we should buy an RV and live in it and travel around? She's shaking her She's head. She's shaking yes. her head. Very, very. <laughs> and where do you want to go? Dada. She wants to go with Dada. Yeah. <laughs> that means Dada gets to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Eastern Europe. Here we come. First stop, Legoland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for letting us into your home, guys. You're welcome. Absolutely. You're welcome. Very cool. Looks like my son found some Legos. Yeah. yeah he he's traveled the entire width, which is like three steps. So and then that's okay. Right. In ten yeah. seconds. <laughs> three Oscar steps, which is but this would be three crawls, basically. This would be super yeah. easy for you to baby-proof. Yeah, you know, and I'm thinking I could do it while they're younger because there's more room while they're younger. Right, right. right. You yeah. could take out that whole bottom bunk and make that your office. He's put a desk in, in a there. Regular bed, though. You know. That's, yeah. That's uh, I could do a stand-up desk in the top bunk. Oh, yeah. yeah, it could work. How, it much, could how work. much? How much you asked him for this? Thing? <laughs> <laughs> we can work out owner financing. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Oh, <laughs> There you have it. That was me jumping on the RV and checking it out. And we really are at the end now, I promise. I'm going to leave you with this quote from John Steinbeck, who said, A journey is like marriage. The certain way to be wrong is to think you control it. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.